What's happening, everyone? Welcome to the Season Gaming Big Cast, episode 221. I am your host, Ainsley Bowden, back with my favorite cast of characters you see before you. And today, we have a special day because we are rocking... What's the official name, Hogue? Uh, Gaming Dino. Gaming Dino. Gaming Dino shows up on all four of our screens. He's hanging out with us today. Dan, I especially like the shirt. Travis, I especially like the tie. Yeah, <laughs> not available in the store. That's a custom for Tie Guy Travis. Custom it made. It's awesome. I'm custom. all custom. It's all. This is all custom made. It's all tailored, proper fit. No, yeah. not tailored. Bespoke. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. It's more expensive. <laughs> more, I spent more. Okay. I am your host Ainsley Bowden, joined as always by these fine gentlemen you see before you, Mr. Rodriguez. How we doing, brother? Oh man, I got something in my eye. It's driving you realize me crazy. It's Joe under you. You're not Joe. Last I checked. Nice. Oh well, I was hoping to keep that going. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, shout out to Mrs. Hoglaw for accommodating my fatness and giving us bigger shirts. I love it. You know, this is nice. It's got room. It breathes. She's amazing. Amazing. It literally was like ten minutes. I, I can't even. You know, I said, "Hey, do you have any any chance to get those in the bigger?" <laughs> Done. Done. It was so fast. On the ball. She's yes. on the ball. And by the way, the uh, you will refer to her as co-counsel. Co-counsel. As always, the Hogue himself, who sadly is dealing with some damn allergies this morning. So you'll have to bear with him as we push through here. I think it'll be easier to bear with me. I'm not going to be nearly as feisty today, I don't think. But yeah, that's that's life in the spring and fall in Michigan. Is crap gets in your throat, crap gets in your ears, crap gets in your eyes. It's all good. Come to the Wolverine State. Uh, but no, I'm looking forward to it. It's lovely to see all the gaming dinos here. Gaming Dino continues to be one of our best sellers on the store, which is hilarious. Uh, and for those that don't know, this was done by my daughter, my youngest daughter, who's only 10. Uh, and... Uh, People love the gaming dino, so it's really cool to see. It's awesome. He's everywhere. He's taking over. So, and the Travis himself, IGN's ninth best reviewer, by the way. You're moving up in the world, my friend. That is way better than I think I actually am. So impressive <laughs> that you would give me that compliment. Uh, yeah, I'm ready to kick Hogue while he's down, uh, devour his corpse, uh, yep. t- take over his seat, and then. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm also in dire straits. I do not have allergies this morning, which is rare, which is rare, as you guys know. Uh, but I am uh, being expected to attend a dog's birthday party after the show, which is like literally my That's nightmare. Not real. Like, oh, yeah. The, 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 like, Travis, like, tell me, like, what do you care about the least? Like, dogs and birthday parties and put it into one event. And then I've just got to go to it. So, like, <laughs> I'm I'm like in hell right now. Like I'd rather have Hogue's allergies because this is like, yeah, I'm really not looking forward to it. I'll challenge you on that, but I hear you, Travis. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you go to a dog's birthday party, okay? Like tell me. I'm reasonably certain I would trade today. Yeah. I don't really? even know. Like what 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 wow. do you do? I don't know, Ains. I'm about to find out. These guys are psychos. I don't know why I'm going to this. It's, well, we could make a worse a... party for Travis, right? It could be a football fan's dog's birthday party where you're just going to watch the early ticket while you celebrate a dog's birth. I mean, football's fun to watch. With, I, with I, catered I, scooped bagels. With catered bagels. <laughs> oh, God, please. Scoop bagels, dog's birthday. <laughs> uh, wow. 
Well, yeah, you guys are special out there. I'll say that you're special. Dude, out there. I this is this has nothing to do with California. These are just psychos <laughs> that I'm hanging out with. So, wait, did you did um, you get an invitation to it? Like, oh like, yeah, mail yeah, I did. Oh, I sure did. Was it 3D? Yeah. Did it have barking? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You opened up. It's horrifying. Yeah. Do they watch the bitcast? Either the yeah. dog or the owners? No, they are not nerds. <laughs> They're just weirdos. Uh, Palo Alto, so right. something it's something I have to go through because you know I'm engaged now and she has relatives and those relatives are weird, so you know. Go have fun. Just, to, just be, I'm just becoming it. Dan. Yeah. Just wait till you have kids. Not gonna happen. Yeah, but, but as long as they're I not racist, have... you should be fine. <laughs> they're not racist. I'll give them that. <laughs> California's got that. We've got that one handled. We figured out the race <laughs> thing. Now we just need all to right. figure out you know being normal at all. Yeah, so. <laughs> completely the reverse here in Kansas. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, good morning, chat. Good to see everyone this morning or afternoon if you're joining us from across the pond. Um, we've got a big show today. We're going to be talking about obviously the I was going to say surprise death of Stadia. I don't think that's the right word to use, but we're going to talk about the death of Stadia. And what that means for cloud gaming in general, we're going to talk about, uh, you guys aren't going to believe this. I mean, this was most shocking, really, is that Skull and Bones has been delayed. So we'll touch on that. We're going to talk about uh, E3 in 2023 and kind of the plans there from Pop and what that looks like for a show. Uh, and, a, and a few other things. We've got the first trailer for The Last of Us as a TV show from HBO as well. So we'll touch on that. Um, Hogue, I may have you give a quick update on the uh, the old uh, Xbox acquisition. It might as well just become a weekly segment at this point uh, of Activision Blizzard because I see a whole bunch of chatter continually about it from people that really shouldn't be talking a lot about it. So I'd rather hear from you on it. Um, <clears throat> but <laughs> but before we do that, I want to give a huge shout out. As you might have seen me post, uh, or maybe I did, I don't remember. Um, but we saw uh, ridiculous growth in just overall traffic on the channel this week, uh, like... 150 percent higher than uh our kind of standard weekly volume uh, i think it's the highest actually it's ever been or not ever been but hi highest it's been this year in 2022 and a huge influx of that was actually bitcast episodes um which is just amazing so some of our accounts and people checking out bitcast is fantastic so i just want to say that if you've been here with us thank you for being here with us if you are new here with us thank you for checking us out i hope you hang out with us and uh, it's been really encouraging to see and, uh, you know, makes us uh, a little proud of what we're putting forth here. So, all right, guys, uh, with that, I have a question for you. So Sardinisms, who is in the chat, he reached out uh, or he I always say he I assume everyone's a guy, which is not fair. So they reached <laughs> out um, <clears throat> and uh, and asked a question which uh, I hadn't asked or heard asked before, but I found it interesting. So I'm going to read this to you and just get your guys thoughts. But. It said that uh, when discussing difficulty levels or accessibility in games, obviously accessibility being a big topic uh, more and more so with games lately, it seems like rhythm games and puzzle games are left out of the conversation. Um, they can get very difficult and very nasty to try and get through. Uh, so why aren't they mentioned? Are they just too niche for people to think about? Are they perceived to already have adjustable and accessible difficulty? Uh, some do, but certainly not all. Do people think that anyone who plays a rhythm game is signing up for that from the get-go? And if so, why does that logic not apply to other games? Uh, just something that they were thinking about, and they've gotten a bit too deep into the train of thought to answer it myself. 
So I thought it was an interesting conversation. I started trying to think of rhythm games, uh, you know, uh, the popular ones. And you talk about accessibility as it relates to that. Not necessarily difficulty levels, because I think you get those in a lot of these games. But accessibility makes that a challenge, I'm sure. So just posing that out to you guys. I would just say accessibility is a huge problem in gaming. And I don't know if it's ever going to be fully kind of answered. Because there's some stuff you just can't get over, like... You know, it's a visual medium. Is it ever going to be accessible to blind people? You know, probably not fully. Rhythm games, they like just dance, you know. If you're not able to dance, like you're that's sort of just out the window. There's not Me. really a solution. I can think of that. There you go. Yeah. If you're like Ains, you're you're you know <laughs> rhythm disabled. Um, I think that's that's gonna be a problem. So it's it's an, always an interesting question to me whenever I hear people talk about accessibility. It's fascinating. I love the stuff the industry is doing to try to make it accessible. I think there's always gonna be stuff that, you know, be, by virtue of the medium, not everything is going to be accessible to everyone. And I think that, you know, we should all do our best, but that's just, you know, it's gonna happen. There's we're we're always gonna kind of be moving in that direction, I I would hope, and and making a progress with whether it's input devices or that sort of stuff but not every game is going to be accessible to everyone i think that's just nature of the medium and uh i you know but rhythm games are probably part of that would be my guess but yeah i, I wish i wish i knew more about it, the accessibility stuff i'm probably not the expert to ask but that's just my perspective yeah I think I would agree with you i've i've uh, had the pleasure of talking to a few people around accessibility in fact way back one of the threes I was talking to the, one of the design directors on the um, uh, oh man, what's the controller that Xbox created in in coordination with? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plug in with the buttons. I can't remember the damn name of it right now. Um, but I was talking to them and just some of the challenges around that for about 15 minutes or so. And it's just you know you basically what they pointed out is I think you're kind of alluding to is that there's there's challenges that you don't even conceive of right they're still learning how many just of the, the vast array of challenges there are to make gaming more accessible and I talked to um man I'm tired or something the names aren't coming to me right now uh Steve. the head of uh thank you yeah Steven Spoon uh I've done two interviews with him for the channel uh talking about that as well and he was pointing out like the uh you know the Xbox controller is a great device but he's like there's so many different disabilities and so many different things that people suffer from um it's just a constant challenge for, for developers trying to figure out how to uh tackle certain things so it's not only controllers it's things on the screen it's sound it's all these different design aspects which is just incredibly challenging and I think to your point rhythm slash dance slash puzzle games can add an extra layer of challenge to that even yet how, how far should we expect developers for games like guitar hero or, or just dance or whatever to uh, to go to you know be as inclusive and have as many accessibility op options as possible i mean is it fair to say that we have to you know account for every single kind of disability i mean that's almost impossible right so so how far do you guys think that we should actually go to you know or that the dev developers should have to go to yeah. with these accessibility options i i just think you know they should keep trying seeing how far they can get they, they might not ever fully get there but they should keep trying i think it's a a worthy uh thing to try and do um and it's it's just interesting you know another thing that that i find interesting about this topic is the games industry is actually 
like way ahead of other way more mature, older industries when it comes to this topic. Like I, I was talking to my friend who works on accessibility in the internet and he said something like 90% of the internet isn't accessible, meaning yeah. like it's not, not a, you know, you, if you, you try to use the internet, you can't do it. Like movies and music and all these other industries have done practically nothing when it comes to accessibility for years. And it's, it's interesting to me that gaming a very young industry that's sort of still figuring a lot of this stuff out is like, super committed to it and it's awesome to see um that it's happening I, i'm just uh it's kind of fascinating to me like how hard this industry is trying uh, and i think it's admirable so they they should just keep keep evolving i mean who knows where it's going to lead maybe one day 100 accessibility is possible I, I don't know what that means or what that looks like or um you know i'm not an expert on it but it is fascinating to me yeah, yeah i think it's a fair question dan um you actually reminded me that uh in my career work uh we and funny enough california typically leads the laws in these uh around how we move things forward um we had to redesign some of our applications to be more accessible and some of the detail that you have to go into like they were like that blue is not blue enough uh and your font size here is like two points too narrow in this spot but it's two points too wide in this spot and you know what i mean like it's so incredibly detailed to meet these requirements it takes a lot of time so i think travis is right again on um it is uh it is promising to see uh the amount of work that goes into accessibility in gaming and and the companies uh, like able gamers like special effect like all those other companies that work to to help in that regard or you know deserve more praise and deserve more support so and i'll go ahead and do a shameless plug right here that all merchandise sale at the season gaming store profits go to special effect and able gamers 50 50 even split so check it out if you haven't i suppose as the lawyer here i will be the wet blanket <laughs> I do think I do think there's foundational bedrock for whatever your game design is or for whatever your art is that can't go past a certain point of whatever you might define accessibility to be. I think the conversation at the start talked about that a little bit. At some point, if you were to remove rhythm so much that it became accessible to more people without rhythm or something, you've lost the nature of what the game is. Um, and so I do think that we can get so far with these things and, and then probably you have to stop if you want to retain any of that kind of design or flavor or art. Um, and so certainly I think at, as much as we can do it, absolutely go make it accessible. I think some of the stuff you see with like uh, The Last of Us jumps out of my head, Naughty Dog in general of like changing all the colors and making everything outlined and doing that kind of stuff, I think is cool. Um, but I if you're going to be a puzzle game, I don't think, you know, I, I suck at spatial puzzles. I just am bad at them. Everybody can kick mm. my ass at Tetris any day of the week. It's just it's easy. Um, I don't, I don't think you can get me into a place where it's more quote unquote accessible and not lose what Tetris is or Poyo Poyo or whatever. Um, and so I, I do think you can take steps. You can make sure the colors are contrasting enough. You can do that kind of thing, but at some level that's, that's going to be too hard for me. You know, that kind of thing is going to happen with video games. Uh, you mm -hmm. need to have some amount of, as you said, visual acuity, some amount of some amount of motor function uh, to get these things to work until we get, you know, the chips in the brains. So, I mean, I, I think I always worry about that conversation because it tends to go into like the is, should Dark Souls have difficulty levels kind of thing. And I want developers to be able to make the art they want. Um, and I think that sucks uh, for people that can't experience it the way they want to. But I, I want to yeah. see it still happen with choices is the best avenue, but not eliminating what we want the art to be. Yeah. yeah. I, I was kind of dancing around that conversation, Hogue, because it's sort of like a certain point, 
you know, a, a painting, the, the, the painter doesn't worry about their painting being accessible to certain people. And they're just sort of like trying to create the art. And it's interesting to see some developers lean into it and, and include it in their art. Like I just got done reviewing Grounded, which famously has an accessibility option. They consider it accessibility to change uh, what the spiders look like. Right. And to remove some of the art there. And so that's part of their art. And like they advertised it in the review guide that they sent me. They were like, look at this cool thing we have. And then it, right when you open the game, it's like, do you want spiders like right out the gate? So, yep. yeah, uh, some of it is sort of built in there. But then you have other games where kind of the I, the whole purpose of the art is to add some inaccessibility. Right. To like force the player to, quote, get good or overcome obstacles. And that's kind of part of the uh the art design as well so it's just interesting the and like i said I, I the thing that i keep going back to is it's crazy that video game art creators are the ones who are leading the way on this and then stuff that you would assume has to be accessible like internet websites aren't <laughs> it's just crazy uh the stuff that, that we're focusing on so um but yeah it's like it's a really like sensitive conversation because i think we've had somebody at least in the comments who's like really into the accessibility world sure uh and they were like, you know, listening to us talk about preserve the game, like make it make the game you want to make. And then they're like, but I can't play it. That sucks for me, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. Yeah, I think there's a clear distinction there where uh, exactly what you guys are talking about. It's not that um, I would say, you know, not to speak for anyone, but I said from my perspective, it's not that I would want anyone not to be able to enjoy a game. Right. The more people that can enjoy more games, the better. Uh, in general, but I, I see the point you guys are making as well. Yeah. Good question. See? Worked out. Yeah. Sardinisms, thank you for that. Um, what was I going to say? It was the adaptive controller, by the way. Uh, thank you, Beast Mode, in the chat. Uh, the Xbox adaptive controller is the name I couldn't think of. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, so we've got a super chat from Tao out of the gate. I'm going to go ahead and hit this now. Dan, you got that? Uh, yep. Tao with the $5 super chat. Uh, sub, uh, sub chat. So big casters, I always get that messed up. Says it every week. <laughs> I still can't get it right. Hogue, uh, uh, my fellow brother in arms in the lands of Moth. What is that? Monster, Monster Rancher. Now he was typing fast this morning, pal. <laughs> fast. Did you switch CDs as well, only to not be able to get it? Uh, well, we love to play Monster Rancher, but ours works. You know, we put CDs in there and things popped out. Um, and it's funny the way the human mind creates patterns right because you put music cds and it's just doing whatever and it's got random algorithms in place and you'd be like oh yeah when you put this cd in it's a country monster because it's a country cd yeah <laughs> you know monster rancher was a lot of fun but my my monster rancher worked it did yeah i know we've talked about monster rancher in the past too you've mentioned that and uh it feels like a long lost age of type of game type thing it's quite funny and now we've got slime rancher slime rancher Similar. All right, thank you, Tal. Appreciate you. And then Don Lionheart. Hi, big casters. Ten dollars super chat from Don. Uh, it's so cool you read my comment, Ari Yakuza, last Regarding. week. I only just watch. Regard, yeah, I know. I always say Ari there. That's <laughs> <laughs> just not what I always say. It. Whenever I read it, that's what I read. It. I know what it means. <laughs> we, I, in my attempt to shorten this, I've now made it super long. Um, <laughs> I only just watched the episode. Also, still no power, Hogue. No power since before I said it in your chat on Friday, uh, H&H. I'm wow. so sorry. Is he in Florida? Is that what's, or what's going on down there? Yeah, I, don't, I, I would assume. I mean, that's the most logical thing, but I don't yeah. know. No power. So you're going on day, at least day two, if not three at this point. That sucks. That's rough. 
that's very rough. I hope everybody well, Don, no matter yeah, no matter what you're dealing with, man. Hope you're doing okay. Hope you get power back soon. But that's uh, man, all the best. All right, gents. Uh, let's get back to the conversation of what we're currently playing. So. I'm going to start with you, Travis, because you've been talking about Grounded for a couple weeks now, um, mm-hmm. probably more than you should have. <laughs> uh, oh, your review is out. You gave it a nine. Uh, I'm seeing quite a lot of chatter about it, more than I expected for kind of a smaller game out of City. And I think a lot of people are starting to come to a similar conclusion as you, which is this game wasn't really high on my radar, but uh, it's become one of the favorite things I've played this year, and I'm really enjoying it. Um yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly one of my favorite games this year, um, and I was completely surprised by that. It's one of those games I played a couple times. I played it when it first came out in early access, and I was like, all right, this is fine. You know, it's an interesting idea, but there's not really a lot here. I played it a year later for a preview, and I thought, all right, they're, they've added some areas. There's some interesting mechanics, but I still don't really have anything that grips me and keeps me in here. And then uh, by the time I played the full version, I mean, from the second I saw the opening and you know it has like a story cut scene and stuff yeah. like that i was just like i was like oh damn <laughs> they they finished this game like I, I i'm like excited to see what it is right and uh it just wasn't what i was expecting i mean it it has like this it wears the skin of a survival game but the more you get into it you're like ah i see what they did here this is an obsidian rpg masquerading as a survival game <laughs> and it's got all of these you know uh, amazing mechanics like the the labs which are basically like end game dungeons with bosses and like you have to go in and fight your way through them with your friends and the building mechanics and all of the survival stuff that's on top of it sort of adds to that rpg element it's got npcs you interact with and quests you take from them and go on and that sort of stuff and uh just the the level of sort of polish really surprised me when i played like i was immediately like this feels like now I see the game they were trying to make at the beginning. And I think it was kind of all the fantasy. It was the fantasy we all had when they first announced this game. We were like, oh, it's yeah. like a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids RPG adventure. Like, who doesn't want to do that? Um, and it really feels like that. So, uh, yeah, I spent over 100 hours uh, playing it. I did beat it right before I wrote my review. I was like, you know, <laughs> I, I wrote like the base of my review. And then I went back and started playing it. And as soon as I started playing it, I was like, oh, this is the end. Like, I'm finally here. It was like right on time. So. Um, I, I saw you posted on Twitter at like like 12.30 a.m. that your yeah. review was live. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It, uh, I, so I finished it. But that game really devoured my life. Like some reviews, you know, you, you put as much time as you can into it. You try to see the credits, but you take it at a, at a pace that is like healthy for you. Grounded, I, I felt like that wasn't an option. Like the more I played it, the more I was just thinking about it and being like, oh, I can't wait to get back in Grounded and like, you know, do this next thing that I need to mark off my list. And just every part of the game was like that, where I was looking forward to that next thing. And uh, it is just an incredibly addictive game. Even now I'm on, I'm on to my next review and I'm, I'm like playing that one. And then in my head, just going like, oh, but there's still so much I want to do in Grounded. So uh, I'm, I probably will continue to play Grounded long into you know my life beyond review because it really just like gripped me um and you know a nine for me is rare so i think people have responded to that they see a nine and they go oh that's interesting and then they see it's a nine for me and they're like that guy <laughs> famously does not give a high, high review score so um yeah. it is my third nine at ign ever you know what are your other two 
My other two were a game called Griftlands, which is a yeah, card based is good. social game. Fantastic game. Uh, and Genshin Impact was my other one. Like that was my okay. first one. You're that an game, that game dude, is fantastic. Man. Yeah, dude, I like different games. Why 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 limit yourself? Play lots of games. <laughs> yeah, and uh, apologies here for my uh my allergic eyes. I uh, staring into the camera it was being a little much for me. So I'll come back if I can, but like I'm here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yes. So I, I put a few. <laughs> I put a few. Uh, put a few hours into it the other night, uh, kind of getting started on it with Pampa, who's in the chat. Uh, he's uh, he adores that game, Grounded, and um, yeah, surprised at how kind of polished and beautiful and and you know just neat. I, I need to put a lot more time into it, but I'm um, I'm curious to see where it goes because the first few hours are obviously really introductory. You're trying to figure out what's going on. You're trying to get kind of your core items and scan stuff and do all that but i'm i'm interested to see the things you're talking about which sound great but people seem to be loving it man obsidian we joke yeah, all the time around so obsidian so is just talented studio man so I, I played this when it first popped in game preview and then i, I was like you it, it's clearly more polished than it was but i mean i have to admit i've played it probably five hours um and it it, it didn't it didn't grab me um like like you have suggested with in terms of it you know being addicted to it and it's like I, I i see that it's good i see that it's polished um and i've gotten i don't i don't know that i've gotten very far i i've gotten to the first kind of npc major interaction um area right uh and so i, I think it's cool but I, I i don't know that i'm gonna wind up sticking with it um yeah because uh, one <laughs> i it's a lot harder then you think it is, folks, from the way it Oh, looked. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is a mean game, and I wasn't expecting that, which is cool. I like that. I like that it is mean. Uh, but it, when I say it's mean, I mean it's mean. I mean, like, if you get jumped and you didn't see what jumped you, you are done. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind, of, kind of mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that's part of the addiction for me. Uh, okay. for, at first, I want to say, like, the um, if you don't like survival games, like if you don't like Minecraft survival mode, your attach rate is probably going to be lower to it. Uh, and uh, it, it is if you, it, it is a game that really wants you to play with your friends. Right. And so I was going to ask you about your split on 100 hours. That's a long commitment. 100 hours. I probably I pro no, I did not. I played alone a, quite a bit of it. Um, and then my friends would log back on for the night when, you know, they were available. And then they'd see, oh, wow, Travis made a lot of progress. And so Travis has built a mansion. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he he did a bunch of stuff. He leveled up, and I'm like, yeah, I explored this this crazy sandbox you guys don't even know about, and like you have to get this special armor to run around it. And they were just like, dude, what's going on? Uh, every time um, they logged on, so I probably played like seventy percent of the time with friends because most okay. of my time was like binging on weekends. But it's like it's it, it's like a um a obsidian RPG sandwiched between like hour blocks of survival and survival games. A lot of them are really difficult and grounded is definitely difficult and weirdly a lot of the difficulty comes at the beginning and then you get to a certain level of competency because i think the difficulty curve at the beginning is because you just don't know what you know what you don't know you know what i mean and like not knowing that like a shield is super valuable in the game like really f's you up at the beginning and then you get good at shields and then by the end you know that when the game gets hard again and it keeps like throwing stuff at you and becoming harder and harder by the end i was just like perfect parrying every enemy like i get attacked by 15 <laughs> like of the you know spiders and i would just be like perfect parry dead perfect parry dead and just like <laughs> killing everything and it like that that curve of just like 
understanding and then becoming good and then becoming just like OP. And then you run into something that's even more powerful and you suck again. It's just like, oh, it's like such an addictive, you know, I'm I'm God, I'm God. Wait, what is that? Oh, no. You know, and then like falling yeah, down. No, I was so, definitely just out there today so, going, oh, my God, what is that? And, you know. That is the, like the, Willow the was torn asunder. I mean, like the, the freaking messages <laughs> they give you on this teenager game, the, the orb yeah. weaver devoured Willow. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the first, I would say the first 10 hours are one of the hardest parts of the game. Cause like, you don't have a base yet. You don't really know how combat works. Every enemy that attacks you is new. Then after a while, you've seen most of the, uh, uh, the enemies that appear in that area. And then you start to feel comfortable and then you start to feel powerful. And then you're like, all right, let's go to a new area. And then it starts all over again. Cause you go to a new <laughs> area and you're like, what is that? And then it just destroys you. And you're like, oh my God. So it also has that fallout new Vegas thing where you can right at the beginning, go to a really powerful area and just get slapped just like and they're like get back to go back to the oak tree you you idiot you know like yeah. get out of here you're not good enough to play in this area um yeah. and uh, yeah and then you you just have to figure out which areas you're not ready for so i think it's, it's solid good. i i do i think it's solid and i'm gonna you know i'm gonna stick with it as long as i can my comparison point is generally subnautica on this type of game which is one of my favorite designs ever but i do yeah. like water uh, so, you know, Subnautica right now to me, first hours beats it, but we'll see. Uh, Hogue, I was actually going to tell you, um, grounded has a pond and at pond. first you're like, Oh, Oh, it's a cool little pond area. And then it, it houses one of the dungeons of the game. And it's a full underwater dungeon where it's all about like getting better at, and at moving in water and you have to craft things that let you breathe longer and let you move faster in water. And then it all concludes <laughs> in like, a you know boss dungeon area and it's it's super cool so all the time i was playing that i was like subnautica ish hoag maybe you know like <laughs> well i've been in the pond i you know i swam around a little i was eaten by something i can't remember and uh it's uh uh yeah i mean subnautica like let, i mean let's let's be honest their focus is water so their water is better the stuff that's happening in the water is better, but I thought it was really cool when I realized that I could submerge in Grounded. Grounded is a full-featured game. <laughs> I'm not trying to take away from it. I think nine sounds like something that could ultimately be the case. As as I think you mentioned, it's like when you get to the Oak Lab, when you're having that conversation, it's like, oh, it's a it's a real honest to god dialogue conversation. That's yeah. not what I was expecting. Um, and I died in the middle of it because maybe we should pause our survival needs during long conversations. <laughs> I don't want to judge, but I died of thirst in the middle of this robot talking to me for six hours. So yep. maybe uncool. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that actually happened to me too. I, I died during one of the conversations. I was like, ah, I see now, but you, you get better at it. You start to learn, to, you know, you get the canteen and then you can carry water on you. Yeah, you just Do you get not get thirsty playing. while talking in real life? Accurate. Who are you talking to? Have Drink you, or die. Have you died? <laughs> during yeah. uh, some of them. Yeah. It, was, it was really unfortunate, honestly, but no, yeah, I, it, I, it I can see where you're coming at it. It's interesting because I don't necessarily plow through games like Travis does. And the one worry I do have is it is it is tricky. And I feel like if I don't dedicate myself to it, I'm not going to advance the pace that I would like. Um, and so probably what that winds up for me in my gameplay is eject. It's like, uh, I'm yep. not going to I'm not going to get into it enough. And, you know, back out to playing cards and Elder Scrolls. Yeah, it is certainly <laughs> like a 
either this game eats your life or you're probably not going to get super into it, which is exactly how I feel about Minecraft. Like when I Minecraft is my favorite game of all time. So like if I that. yeah, if I hop into survival mode and I just like play Minecraft, there is no such thing as moderation. Like dude, that's like every hour that I have that's free is going into that, which is why I have to be careful about when I play it. I pretty much play it on like Christmas when I have nothing going on and I'm trying desperately not to be depressed and or like something like that where it's just like, all right, I could play every hour of my day just doing this. Uh, so yeah, that's aside from that, you know, I, I, I don't think it's going to be a game that you ultimately like uh, between difficulty being so much better with friends, uh, you know, the survival aspects, the, you know, I wish right now I can't drag friends into 70 hours. That's not going to happen. I (laughs) wish you could experience it because I think if you, if you managed to get through it somehow and you just played it, I think you would be like, Oh wow, this game is amazing. And, but unfortunately, you know, it's just not suited for some people's lives or, you know, situation. So I'm I'm plowing away. I'm at my level twos, but uh, yeah, it's, it's also, by the way, folks for Halloween in October, it's freaking frightening. It is way scarier than it has any right to be um, because the, the I, I got attacked by freaking mites. I wasn't expecting it. Actually swore in front of my kids. That's how it went down because it was like. This from mites too, dude. There's stuff in that game that still like curdles my blood. Like you guys, the there's stuff in that game. Oh my God. I, I'm, not, I'm now reacting to just like grass moving. In the in the, yeah, in the yep. distance, I'm just like, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. and then like a ladybug peeks out, and I'm like, still don't trust you, ladybug. I was playing no, with Pompa, and he's like, don't get too close to the mosquitoes because those things are relentless. We're early in the game still, and uh, I was running from one, and I could hear it like chasing me, and I'm like screaming as I'm running Dude. through the grass, like trying to get away. From early it. on, mosquitoes were like oppressive masters of like the sky and anytime they see you you're like i'm i'm dead even if i run yeah i mean like, it was like he got me. me by the way and but honestly the, the thing about mosquitoes is if you block they can do nothing because they're hitting you through a needle so it's just like all you do is you turn around when you hear them buzzing and you just go mm, and then they hit it and okay. you're like go away go away and then you just walk away from them so and now i just like i see a mosquito and i'm like annoyed i'm like oh one of these chumps and i'll just like one shot it and then walk away i assume you have a high powered grass rifle or whatever towards the end of the tree, whatever you're using dude and you get so here's here's another thing that will help you guys is you can do the peeper thing where your character goes like this and you scan things if you scan them you can go into your data cards and it'll show you all their weaknesses and their resistances so sometimes you're like having a hard time beating something you're like what is going on and then you'll be like ah they're weak to that and so now i'll be like oh mosquito that's weak to uh, fresh elemental effects and, you know, stabbing. And then I'll just pull out like the perfect weapon and just be like, and it's gone. And I'm like, yeah, what's up, man? I know what's going on in this game. So I like that Travis's power fantasy was most fulfilled this year by this tiny Dude, it, like, it, it, it is such a weird game. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it seems like, uh, to your point, Travis, like when we first saw it, right at E3 2019 or whenever that was, uh, it was the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids kind of fun, Minecrafty like game. And to your point, it sounds like when you really get into it, it is that, but on a much, much deeper level, like an Obsidian RPG you would expect, which is really it strange really is. to think about. Yeah, and the, the farther tone. you get into it, like like when I was like 80% into the story and then something happens near the end game and you're like, wait, what? They're just doing this? Like at this point in the game? Like what what is happening? And the, it just changes everything about like it just enhances it. And you're like, dude, this is just a it's just an obsidian RPG. 
They just, they fooled us all. They thought, oh, we're doing, because remember in the early advertisement, they're like a game from a studio that's never done something like this that you, you know, and they're kind of making fun of themselves for like doing something out of their, their kind of a uh, house. And I think they did yeah. do something out of their wheelhouse, but they also put all of their expertise and bona fides as RPG makers in there. So they kind of tricked us and it, it, I'm just, <laughs> I'm so happy with, with how that game turns out. And I'm, I'm. Now, like my fiance turns to me like every day and she's like, so when are you going to be done with this review so we can play more grounded? Like she's like super into it, dude. Yeah. So that's awesome. So RJH uh, says in the chat who I agree with here, he says, mm, I already liked grounded, but when it first came out, but Travis's descriptions pushing me to play it again and go deeper into it. Great. Dude, do it. You will it's not regret it. When it started. There's no question there. Yeah. You yeah. will, you will honestly not regret it. It is such a, such a blast, man. I, it's it's probably my second favorite survival game of all time at this point. So to Minecraft, to Minecraft. Yep, it's awesome. Okay. It's awesome. Hmm. All right, cool. Uh, by <laughs> the way, we got a uh, hundred and thirty four people currently watching in the chat. Please hit that like button if you're enjoying the conversation. Help us out, as we always like to say, help the algorithm because YouTube is a fickle beast. All by right, way, Subnautica is three for me. I'm with you there. I thought you said you gave it a three, and I was going to fight you. Oh, no, 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 no. That's where I was. No, That's no, where no, I was, no. too. No, 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 all, the, no. all the allergies started clearing up. <laughs> <laughs> they aren't. You can, Honestly, you can, if I could do that, that would be worth like, it. Rick, go back to your logo. Uh, but no, Subnautica I love. Actually, Subnautica, I can't remember, the, the sequel, which is effectively Subnautica 2, The Frozen North or whatever, is, is my favorite of these. Um, nice. But uh, yeah, no, I like, I like Grounded. Like I said, what was really startling is like, wow, this is... I feel tenser than I thought I would playing this and it's harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily I have like a Sherpa, like Pompa's played that game since launch and as it's evolved and like you, Travis, he's, I think he said he's over a hundred hours now. So like, as we're playing, he's like, all right, grab this. All right, craft this. All right. So like, he's teaching me all the stuff as we're playing, which is helping. Cause otherwise I would be uh, dead a lot more. Good to have a buddy. So. I'm glad I didn't. Um, I'm glad I was just out in the open and yeah, it's, it's great not being able to Google things, not, not having that sort of yeah. like thing. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I'm so happy with it. I, I, yeah, well, I'm playing it your style, Trey. I don't know anything. I just I'm good. Just that's the I'm way to do it, man. I honestly, I think that's that's better. how I play survival games because I like, I like. Oh, you actually have a whole mechanism to do X in there. Like, like Subnautica mm -hmm. does that the whole game, and I think yep. Grounded is too because it's like, oh, we got a base builder in here. All right, I mean, yeah, like that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and then yeah. it's like, oh, I unlocked the ability to build on water. Interesting. How can I use that? You know, and yeah, the RPG stuff so, is great too. I don't know about you guys, but. um you know, we, we talk about Obsidian. It's funny because when you talk Xbox and PlayStation, we often talk about Obsidian and Insomniac being their never miss studios. And Obsidian mm -hmm. feels like um, Grounded was this little side project, right? From what we've heard of what they were. And they allowed them to just go full bore with it. And it turned out incredible from what we're seeing, right? Very. High. It's not only just you, Travis. I mean, it's highly regarded across all the kind of critical reviewers that I saw, um, which... I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's making me even more interested in Pentiment now because Pentiment showed and it was like, that looks like a weird game, right? Like something completely different, but it's Obsidian and it has, we know the writing pedigree behind it and we know Obsidian's pedigree. And now I'm like thinking, look, Hogue, Hogue came back on camera to give me the look. But for mm -hmm. me, I, did. I, I don't did. know. I, <laughs> I think, uh, I don't know, man. I'm thinking Pentiment could surprise us just like Grounded. We'll see. see. I, I mean, Josh Sawyer, man, I'm I'm excited. Let's see, I, 
Pentamin has all the markings of one for them, one for me. And so that might work for you if you're exactly like the dude that that is one for me for. I am holding out no hopes for that game at all. Can I make a prediction here? Can I make a prediction? Sure. I think I think Hogue is going to love Pentiment. Great. That's my prediction. <laughs> honestly, I think he is. I think he's going to play it and he's going to go in with like, eh, you know, all jaded and stuff. And I think he's going to be like, oh, I don't know oh, if I'm jaded. Like, I, yeah. I, to me, Obsidian is not this guarantee uh, that that you guys have suggested. Obsidian oh. had long made things that were slightly broken. I am not an Outer Worlds fan. Um, oh, really? Outer Worlds no, was great, Worlds. man. Yeah. No, I think I, I, I no, that was I, a good I, pr- pr- proof of concept. Yeah, well, I mean, and now they're putting their resources behind too, right? I mean, like that's what the studio yes. is doing. So to me, that's like that's just a wasted company for like a decade. So that's fine. Wow. <laughs> we're here to have opinions, right? Yeah. So yeah, Outer Worlds didn't work for me. It was way too superficial and, and sophomoric and not as effective as even their older games. And they put more energy into the next one. Okay, good luck to you. I actually like their DLC to Outer Worlds better than the main game. Um, but uh, Grounded seems to be something that's better. Pentiment, I, I don't know how many people they even put on Pentiment. I thought it was even a smaller team than Grounded from the yeah, descriptions of it. Sounds small. Yeah, it does. So, you know, we'll see. Like here, the beauty of Game Pass, yep, I will download it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see I, I hopefully am going to be reviewing Pentiment. So uh, oh, I cool. will. When is that slated? Is that November? It's November. Yeah. So uh, we'll see how that we'll see how that turns out. But I sound, everybody says I sound jaded. I'm not jaded. I there are going to be companies little, that people like that, that Obsidian has never really impressed me that much. Um, so there you go. Man, man, wow. no Fallout New Vegas, no Knights of the Old Republic 2. No Knights of the Old Republic 2 was broken when I played it. And you can say it's not their fault, that's fine. Uh, what was the other one you just said? New Vegas. So New Vegas was also broken. Like I had major broke breakdown problems with New Vegas. So I never had that experience. That's just called Fallout, though. Yeah. All I'm saying is like I remember that breaking down on me, like in a way that it wasn't recoverable oh, and sure. I had to restart. Yeah. And like that really Definitely had bugs. You. that yeah. sours you on a game. So that might not be Obsidian's fault. And I got the bad role there because everybody talks about New Vegas and it just didn't work for me. Fundamentally, all right, so. we'll see. We'll see. Obviously, uh, jury is out, but we'll see what's delivered with it. Um, what else you guys been playing, man? Anything good? I'm I don't have anything to add. I'm still on the Halo and Apex, and I played some Last of Us this week, which uh, I think we've talked about a million times. So I've got nothing to add to this weekly conversation. I've been playing Valkyrie Elysium. Nice. I've been playing. You said DLC before it was very strange, but you were you told us when I when you and I talked on Friday that you were enjoying it because of its kind of. I think both I think both Diofield Chronicle and Valkyrie Elysium is actually what I'm looking for for the most part when I talk about like PlayStation 2 variety. I know people have heard me say that. Uh but they are uh they're they're a little bit weird, they're a little bit strange, they're a little bit under budgeted. Um and I think Diofield Chronicle is going to wind up being a cult classic. I I talked about that last week. I think that one is really really good and has solved a lot of kind of real-time strategy problems on consoles. Um, and uh, will be looked on fondly. Will it sell right now? No promises there. Um, Valkyrie Elysium, I saw, got uh, kind of riddled with uh, some some negative reviews. Honestly, I think it does what it says on the tin. It is a very effective kind of light action RPG game that takes kind of the melancholy feel of like the original Valkyrie profile and applies it to what apparently Square Enix is thinks that is all people are interested in, which is action games. But the action is fun. 
Um, and it's clearly, again, under budgeted compared to, you know, whatever you're looking for from a Final Fantasy 16 or some of these bigger games. Uh, but to me, it's exactly what you would expect. I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, Deal Field Chronicle, I've had a lot of fun with. Um, so I've been having an enjoyable time with those kind of oddball Square Enix games. But that's, you know, that's where I live, right? I tell people about voice of cards and dungeon uh, encounters and things like that. They make weird stuff and it's almost better than the big stuff that they make for me. Nice. Nice. I've been playing Hitman think- still. And, uh, <laughs> You're like me. It's week? like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's I'm like, like, I did, I did um, add a SSD to the PS5. Okay. And that is a lot more annoying than you think it is. It doesn't seem like a super, <laughs> you know, it seems like a super simple. It, and it's, it's it is. Yeah. It's really kind of irritating. Especially if you buy the heat sink separate from the SSD, and then you have to line up all the stupid little holes, and it's just like, gosh dang it. Like when I got the SSD for the Xbox, <clears throat> the little expansion, which I paid way too much for in retrospect. They're expensive. God, yeah. they're expensive. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's way simpler. I'm still waiting for my Mad Cats version. I've been lobbying Mad Cats for a, a long time for a nice third party, you know. It's not happening. Cool writing. Yeah, I know. It sucks, but I did. I did add that, and it works, so that's nice. Uh, yeah, we're sure of that. That's, it's a that's great, all. great a user feature, consumer friendly. You know, it's all yes. of the all of the walled garden of a console with all of the having to tinker of a PC. <laughs> it's a perfect combo. What, what you it is. So, yeah. uh, it is. So, it's an interesting nice. case study in that sense because it, it it has proven out in terms of price point over the past two years, where you can upgrade your storage on the PS5 for far cheaper now than you can like half on the price. Series X. Yeah, which which is great, uh, but it is yeah. interesting that they literally designed a console that you have to take the panels off and install a hard drive yourself, yeah. which in the console space is not typical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really, than, it's a really light install. One. Yeah, don't, don't yeah. let Dan oversell this. If you yeah, yeah, I, I've seen videos of it. It doesn't. Uh, and Joe no, uh, is saying it takes three minutes. It is. It's like oh, it's it, it, it's pop pop unscrew plug in screw pop. I mean, it's like I'm <laughs> that, bad. At that this is stuff, true. Dan. That is true. If you if you get the 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 SSD with the heat sink already connected and ready to go, and you just plug it in, probably super simple. But when you buy the like I did, an idiot, uh, the SSD where you have to actually attach the heat sink, the problem comes in where the groove that you have to put into that little set screw that they put in there doesn't match up exactly like it's supposed to. The uh, the groove on the SSD is actually a little bit smaller than the groove on the just imagine explaining this to somebody's mom, you know, right. who's going to buy this for their kid. Like, it's just, it's such a crazy right. thing for okay, me. Okay, but like, step one, why in the world would you buy it without a heat sink? I, I didn't somebody's realize mom, it when don't I did do it. that. Yeah, I, yeah. And so I ended up going back. I, I got it. Yeah, if you buy, like, the one thing, it's really simple. It's literally unscrew through two, two things and then screw back in. They put in a USB. I mean, like, it's nothing. Yeah, no, that that is true. Don't buy them separately, I guess. You, uh, you building your new PC this week, Dan? Uh, no, uh, I am not. Uh, I stay away from that stuff. I actually built one one time, but that was a long time ago, and I was much younger. Uh, my hands didn't shake, uh, so it's it's a whole different, you know, twenty years ago kind of thing. So, gotcha. Yeah, it's 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 fine. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's great. I mean, I like I like having that option to have that, you know, you know, paying a little bit less for for what I have to, but. Really, it's just the ease. I don't know if it's a hundred dollars worth of you know ease, but it's it's 
it's definitely something. It's at least twenty five to fifty dollars <laughs> worth of not. And this is this is this is you know forty five year old Dan that just has he can't be bothered with this stuff, you know. So I get frustrated really easily. So my bad. Can I ask you why you if you play all of two games why you need an expanded hard drive? He's got I don't know, like sometimes I get like a like a like a bug and I'm like oh I think I'll play that and I got I have a really short attention span for like certain games like I just downloaded the entire Yakuza series you know and I was just like okay I'm gonna have all that on there maybe I want to jump over to this maybe I want to jump over to that do you need multiple of the same series at once I really don't it's more of like a Travis can kind of speak on this a little bit. He's got tons of hard drives. It's kind of just having it there. And it's the feeling of having it accessible at any given time. You know, my, my PlayStation library is much, much smaller. And I, I yeah. you know, this obviously I'm not going to have access to everything, but it's, it's, it's nice to have it, access to the stuff on a, on a moment's notice. I mean, and the, the PlayStation five hard drive is way too small. I mean, like it is. There, yeah. there are, there are 125 is. gig games. Yeah. yeah, no, for me, yeah. it's a flex of like, oh, my friend comes over and I'm like, oh, you want to play a game? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I got 3,000 games here installed on my Xbox, 36 terabytes. You know, take your yeah. pick, all install, just click play, dog. Like, and they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah. So, so <laughs> I got you. I got you, play. Yeah, that used to be me until I gave all my hard drives to my kids. Travis's flexes today are interesting, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the dino tie, man. It's the yeah. dino tie. Gives me, gives me power. It's also hard just staying down on down on one one knee. It's like, yeah, kick him, <laughs> cut his throat out, devour the old, replace yeah. it cut his throat out. Yeah, all yeah. right. Yeah. Hey, man, I think I think grounded's told me worse. <laughs> <laughs> those, those kill messages are violent. Ali Hoops <laughs> has had her throat slit and you know it is. Her, yeah. her insides like is sucked out. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. That's quite funny. All right. Yeah, so, so, so the moral of my story was playing. buy the SSD with the heatsink already installed. Don't mess around with moral. stupid third party stuff. There you go. There you go. Yeah. All right, guys. My, my next review is uh is Slime Rancher 2, by the way. Because I is it really yeah, IGN hasn't gotten a review up for it, and they were like, "We need to review this game." Travis, you guys, so it. what's your status on IGN? So that's in game preview. You review that as it is. You re we review anything that they are selling to people because you can so buy. So if you are if you are charging people money, we should be able to comment on whether it's good or not. All right, whether it's so worth you, that money. So you guys have like a review up for like Baldur's Gate three and things like that. I don't know about that example. I mean, our other rule for IGN is that it has to have an audience. Like, people have to care about it. People care about Slime Rancher, too. And then just <laughs> <Wow>. like... <laughs> what? Are you saying there's no Baldur's Gate 3 I'm not, I'm not casting aspersions about Baldur's Gate at all. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if we don't review a game, it doesn't mean that, you know, we ha it follows our rules, it gets reviewed. It also means, like, it has to have a significant audience and, you know, yada, yada, because we're trying to serve the most people we can. Uh, unlimited time and budget. So... That, like the uh, like grounded got two reviews. Like the guy, John Ryan reviewed it uh, before me. Who's a great guy. He he gave it a six, which is probably better than I would have given it at that time. Um, and then we re-reviewed it because people still care about grounded a couple years later, and now it's getting its 1.0. So we're reviewed again. And we've done that with like No Man's Sky. I think No Man's Sky got three reviews, and I reviewed it one of those times. So <laughs> just keeps evolving. Um, yeah, yeah, it just keeps evolving. And if people are still playing about it, there's still a conversation around that game, then it'll get re-reviewed. So. Uh, but it's interesting because I, I mean, spoiler: Slime Rancher Two is definitely not done. I mean, oh like that. yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. But they are, you know, they're charging people money for it. So it's yeah. uh, well, if you had to grade it now, like, what would you give it? Is it worth the money if you were going to buy this game right now? So, um, 
yeah i'm gonna i'm cool. gonna give it a score and then you know if a year from now it really leaves preview and that sort of thing it's just that people here's here's my philosophy on why games that are in preview should get reviewed is because a i agree that if you're selling it we should be able to comment on it and b some people do kind of I don't want to say like intentionally sneaky stuff, but it's a little sneaky about them never having to face the music in the public forum of like whether their game's good because they'll just keep it in preview forever. There's games that have been in preview for, you know, still are in preview now and they were released a long time ago. If you don't uh, know how long Fortnite Battle Royale was in beta. Exactly. And then there's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then there's also like, uh, like, okay, our game's in preview and then we, sort of don't really finish it and then we release a sequel you know and then yeah, there's just stuff like that where where and this is slime rancher 2 their first game was in preview for a really long time as well um that's not saying anything about the quality of that game i'm just saying like you know it i i think these things should i i think our policy is right like you should review a game like as soon as possible if it's being sold if it's free closed beta open beta blah blah, blah then people are kind of just playing around with it that's one thing but if you're asking for people's money i think uh, it's time for somebody to, 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 get, to I think judge. that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. And by the yeah, way, it's uh, a tricky thing. You... I mean, I, you know, it's, it's just like not finishing a game to me. It, it, it's, it's tricky because you can have a supporting base that has, you know, here's, here's 30 bucks. Um, you know, some of the models are, it'll be 50 later, that kind of thing. I don't know what you do with yeah. a review there. There are other ways that are essentially proto Kickstarters where you're getting something like an alpha build out of the money that you give to them. Um, so I, I assume that you just, it's, you know, you look at the facts each and every time. I don't have a problem with it. Say, say what you will. I, I think Slime Rancher 2 will hold up well. It's just like yeah. it, having played Slime Rancher 1, I did watch my girls play Slime Rancher 2, and it's like, oh, well, like, the, there are going to be areas over there. Like, the economy doesn't – there's there's things that aren't quite done. It's like they got it to a functional place um, mm -hmm. and, and then put it out there. Um, and then, of course, Game Pass confuses that because I didn't pay anything separate. Uh, Correct. It, so Yeah, but some people are paying. And, sure. Yeah, it's a – yeah, I I, I, I totally agree. With, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's the thing is like it's just a review. Like, what's the counter argument to reviewing it? Is like if if when they finish the game, we'll re-review it if people still care about it. But you might, often what, you might, but yeah, you're for, we, but we your four when it's half done might stick on that. Like, I mean, to me, that's the counter argument. Is it's yeah. like, yeah, IGN decides what it wants to do and what it feels like and where it thinks the clicks are, or the audience is, and that's that's totally fine. And I don't have a problem with with you reviewing it, but like if you decided not to come back to Grounded, for instance, Grounded sits with a six, even though right. you would go through it and play and say it's it's there. If like for instance, people weren't rocking to it and there wasn't an audience there, I don't know whether you'd have the opportunity to convince IGN to say the score needs to change. Correct. So I think there's and there, there's yeah. Yeah, and there's certainly uh, games that we haven't gotten back to because the audience has left that game. And yeah. that's sort of the point, right? Is when do they need the review? When do people need the review? Do they need it now when lots of people are asking questions about this game and wondering if it's good? Or do they need it two years from now when it's done and nobody cares? And so right, I would it, say review, but reviews IGN are... IGN has the power. IGN ha is a platform, right? IGN can correct. move that needle. It's not just what you're living with. You create correct, audiences but, to some extent. Correct. Correct. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's for sure. True. We have our responsibility and we wield kind of like a lot of influence. But the, the question is, like, if if we are here to serve the people, which we are, like, that's kind of the the the, the job of being a reviewer. Right. <laughs> so, we're, we're, we're there for them. We're there to inform them. Then when when do we be useful to them? And I, I would just say that, like, if your game is irrelevant in two years, but it's fully finished and but nobody's playing it like that's a tragedy. Maybe you should have not released it in early access. 
be my suggestion to you. That's that's a pretty callous way of looking at it, right? If there's a game out there that people would love. Like, hey, Hogue, I'll use your catchphrase. Not my problem, right? Well, this is not my problem. I'm not in game development. You you decided your platform. You decided your release model. Um, but you look, do decide your you do decide your modus operandi and when to review and how to review yeah. those games. I mean, you're in charge of that. I don't know if it's a not your problem problem. It might not be my problem as the consumer, but I would like to know about games that got better. And maybe I don't get to hear that from places like IGN. So I, but I'm not, I, this is not a hard and fast dance. I'm not dying on this hill, Travis. I'm just looking yeah, at it sure. and saying, I do think there are games out there that have market improvement that get slimed a little bit, no pun intended, um, mm-hmm. and, and don't come back because, as you said, you have limited resources and limited budget. Uh, and so, yeah, No Man's Sky, everybody knows about No Man's Sky grounded you know xbox was never going to let it die out there for obsidian but other 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 publishers probably don't have that same kind of treatment so yeah you can say they shouldn't they shouldn't sell it even at a lower price potentially for an early access or a game preview but then i would say okay well i mean if, if the business model works and they're getting that community feedback and they're building it just like grounded maybe maybe that should be looked at and at least be a part of the conversation but again yeah. i'm not I'm just thinking through the potential difficulties of, of, of a review at this point in time. Yeah. And this is a conversation people at IGN have all the time. Okay. And I I would just say like, that's, that's like part of it. Like what, what is fair? What's the best we can do? But ultimately, you know, our, our goal is to do the best job we can for the people that are reading and and to talk about the stuff they care about and give our honest feedback. We'll always re-review a game if it's made significant progress and people still care about it. But you know, with limited time, limited budget, you have to pick your battles. And I think if a game is popular right now and people are asking questions about it and wondering if it's worth their time, you you know, you have a, a duty to kind of, provide that for them like that's your whole purpose so we're doing the best we can and and it is an evolving model and the way games are developed and released today is increasingly confusing and a lot of times the yeah. review model doesn't really make sense with the the way the industry's turned now and I ever people at IGN fully realize that they're like this is super hard stuff but that's why uh, it's interesting for us I think it's still reviews are still something that people care about that's our most our most watched most read stuff are reviews and so it's funny because I think almost to me, like what I relate to is, and I'm not ignoring IGN or, or anybody else, is when I think about early access and I think about game previews, I'm actually grading studios more than games. Um, like Double Fine, pre being purchased by Xbox, was on my blacklist because I think they absolutely screwed over people with early access on some of their oh, Steam yeah. products. Like absolutely, like to the level that I was pissed. Um, and yeah. they were on my list. Nope, never, never again um versus you know whatever it is manami park or i can't ever pronounce their name you know i think they they held slime rancher they did early access they had community things they got the game out i'm more inclined to trust them and i feel the same way about the grifflands people i for clay is it is it clee clay something like that where they went through um what is it don't starve and it was nothing and they built it up and it's like all right i now i trust that company to go through this process and not screw me over even if don't starve was crap when it started um, right. So that, that's interesting. Anyway, I'm just vocalizing my thoughts here. Um, yeah, it's interesting stuff. And, and, <laughs> I, love, and I, I don't I think there's any, I don't think there's any definitive point to be made, right? Like I, I think the case by case basis certainly applies here. And yeah, I, I, I agree that as this evolves, as the way games delivered has evolved, you guys are touching on an important point that they're, they're games are delivered to audiences in so many vastly different ways than they have in the, have been in the past that it's, review of review quote is very challenging at times of what that looks like it has to be a case-by-case basis yeah um and then you factor into your point travis the fact that 
resources are limited. They can't review. You, I mean, there's thousands of games released every month. You can't review all of them. And um, updated. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and updated you know, like, and evolving. Yeah, like, and yeah. Then some, and sometimes, like, uh, I think that we're, we're assuming the early access reviews are always negative. They often aren't. Like, you know, my review of Slime Rancher 2, frankly, is not going to be a negative one. Like, the game has got really good bones. And, like, my, the last early <laughs> access game I reviewed, Disney Dreamlight Valley. You know, that was like a, a <laughs> game I highly recommended. It's an early access. I think that they're doing good things. And it, a good, good early access review speaks to the potential of the game and the base that you've got now. And it gets you excited for the future. And if you're, if you've got, a, a product that you released in early access that shows that I think it can be hugely beneficial to have your review game, uh, re your game reviewed early. And so I think, uh, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. Sometimes an early access review highlights a game that has a lot of potential and gets people excited about it. And, and then you could review it a year later and show that it's even better that it's bloomed into something awesome. So, sure. um, yeah, I mean that, that could, there's, there's the other side of the coin as well. Yeah. Yeah. And Hoax point is valid too with, um, kind of highlighting the studio itself, right? It puts a spotlight on that studio to deliver. And how they um, operate, yeah, and how yeah. they deliver things to their fans, yeah. Yep. I threw a quick poll up in the chat just to see what uh, people in the chat thought. So it looks to be about two to one. Uh, you know, it's yeah, a lot of context and nuance you can't do in a yes-no poll. Uh, but <laughs> the general question of game previews, early access reviews, are they valid? It's about two to one. I think, I think people do like at least hearing some type of opinion on... Um, you know whether a game is worth their time and or money in that in, in this, is, this is my favorite discussion topic i could talk about reviews and review philosophy all day as we you know, know you and i did a three-hour three conversation hours. yeah, <laughs> yeah <for sure. laughs> um uh someone uh vault boy asked about Baldur's Gate 3 so i just looked it up while you guys were talking so Baldur's Gate 3 originally released in october 6th of 2020 so in a couple days it'll be two years and that's still Dang. in early access as of right now yeah. yeah, I remember doing Same. a launch stream on October sixth on the channel for uh, Minecraft for was in beta forever. Sold people copies when it was barely a game. Star Citizen True. still isn't a game. <laughs> Star Citizen, yeah, how many five hundred million dollars in Star Citizen? I told you folks, this is the Star Citizen game. It is not getting released. There is no reason to release it. It is making its profits in this state. That is what it's going to do. That's its model. Yeah, yeah, crazy. If anyone in the chat, by the way. Or anyone listening to this later wants to leave us a comment who plays Star Citizen and can provide some... it. Well, yeah, I mean, like actively plays it, you know what I mean? Like part of that community yeah, yeah. And, and has donated or not donated, but helped fund it. And, you know, anything donated. like that. Please Feels comment like or donation. say something. <laughs> yeah. But please comment because I'd love to I'd love to hear from someone about that because I'm not educated enough to, to talk on star citizen other than the headlines we see that they've got 500 million of funding now uh, you know? the tip-off is really the the ever delayed squadron whatever number it is supposed to be which is ostensibly just an easy single player type development cycle that just keeps getting pushed because the model is what the model is star citizen yeah. is what it is right now and it's never releasing until chris roberts dies <laughs> <laughs> fair enough all right let's go ahead and move on speaking of dying uh let's go ahead and start talking about stadia um it's uh, a nice so segue week, yeah thank you sir try i try <laughs> call um, master of blend ainsley Bowden, <laughs> the world's 16th most famous ainsley to your point that may be a little high but you know i think that's very high there's only like 17 of us so i figured that was close um <clears throat> anyway so google announces phil harrison um who save your jokes please comes out this week uh and announces out of the blue really 
that uh, Stadia is being shut down. And the details are that the store to, to buy anything on Stadia was shut down that day. It's already That's closed. crazy, by the way. Yes, it's just done. Uh, the games and service that you have today and own will work through January 18th. So three months about, give or take. Um, they are going to be offering refunds to players for those purchases. So whatever games you bought, uh, you know, I don't know the full details there, but you can find it on their blog. But the, I think the most surprising thing about this, guys, other than, um, you know, not so much Stadia kind of collapsing itself, but is the fact that seemingly their whole communication plan around this was, well, there, there didn't seem to be one. Um, so multiple developers have come out and said our game either launched this week or we're working on it as we speak uh, for Stadia, and we're not apparently doing that anymore. Um, I'm pretty sure you know, Hot Wheels, and- which is an awesome game, launched the, like two minutes before the announcement and the store closing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Play On, which is the new branding of um, – help me, somebody. Um, uh, Play On is the new branding of something. Yes, it's a publisher. I, I- – can't remember it's hmm. a publisher but they basically they were posting like joke gifs about stadia because they had games that they were lining up to release on stadia um so how you announce the entire closure of a service without even talking to your developers and your publishers or even in some case we've seen employees post on twitter and other social media spaces about not knowing this was coming um is mind-boggling to me i, I don't know how you do that they probably were afraid of it leaking because the last thing you want on your platform where you can still buy things is people knowing that, you know, those purchases aren't going to last. And I, I think they, you know, they did the best they could. They shut down the store so that people aren't making purchases on a platform that's not going to be there. They announced that it's happening. But, you know, my, my hope is that there will be sort of a garage sale on all these games that are had exclusive deals that were supposed to come to stadia. Cause there's no reason those games can't be on other platforms. Now I'm hope I'm hopeful that they'll find a home for those games. But uh, yeah, I mean, when a platform goes under, I don't know that there's ever a, a right way to do it, you know, like how, how to get all your, your ducks in a row to make a, to make a, some, something like that transition to just not existing. And it's weird, man. Like, like, I, I guess I'm going to get a refund. I, I bought some stuff on stadia. I had to you know play on that platform for reviews and all that. So It'll be interesting to see how that goes. And I also know people who are Stadia stands. Like yes. there's a lot of there's a lot of Destiny players who are like, I play on Stadia because you don't you don't have to buy the games. You just sort of you don't don't pay you just pay for the service and you <clears> pop <throat> it up and you don't need hardware or you know any of that stuff. You can play on your phone and they they swear by it. Um, My stepson actually it, plays it on his phone. Yeah, there's there you go. Stadia. We we had a guy on. Um, on uh, the last word a couple weeks ago, whose online username is uh, like uh, Stadia Time is his name, and he plays exclusively on Stadia. It's like his thing. He was on the show talking about it, and then like two years after, or two weeks, he was after he was on the show. They announced Stadia is not going to be around. So I have a feeling it's going to affect a lot of people, and it's it's super unfortunate. But um, yeah, I, I, what are you going to do? It didn't work out. Develop a didn't. better business model from the start that isn't patently absurd from the moment you announce it. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, that sounds uh, sounds accurate. I, mean, I, 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 th- I don't think any of us are surprised for that reason, right? Like, we we sort of. I think that's that Stan's point. We're talking about Google. Um, Wait, it's ridiculous, right? The tech they solved the hard part, and then they let the <laughs> idiot with the beans count them in a ridiculous fashion, 
so that the moment it's data, it's like, what market are you trying to hit there, idiots? I, that's impossible what you're trying to aim at. And so when it gets canceled, yeah, it's a shame for everybody. But honestly, if you're a developer, what are you thinking? That was never going to last. If you're if you're a publisher, why are you aiming at this audience? And the hope is it's because Google put a lot of money in a Brinks truck and backed it up to you. And hopefully yep. you're still getting that money. Um, but I mean, like, I it, it was a surprise to me to actually see how many developers came out and said, you know, we've got plans to release it in the next three months, give or take. Yeah. But I don't understand. I don't understand. In how fact, in fact some of them, Hogue, even commented to say, I don't know if we're still getting paid. Well, I mean, and you could have lawsuits. Of Alphabet, course. Alphabet's of course. good for it. So, I mean, it's like, well, yep. we'll see how exactly how, how tough they try to be yep. um, on those kinds of things. But like, yeah, when they close down internal development, at bare minimum that late, you should be flaying this shit. I mean, like, there's no question. Um, and so I, I, I assume there were contracts. I assume there was money. I assume there were promises. And it's not fair to them. Uh, but I do agree with the leak concept. It's once you decide as Google that you're going to pay everybody back every dollar of what they spent and you're going to keep the service up for four months. Um, you, you really don't want that to leak three seconds early because yep. you have all sorts of problems at that point. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's sorry, I was typing. Um, people. Yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I, I don't want to, one thing I don't want to do, right, is we're, we're kind of, laughing at the business model and it was absurd to Hoke's point um but i also want to be a little careful because uh you know i have seen some of the people that were working there and obviously uh, to your guys's point uh a lot of the technical obstacles the the kind of challenges on getting this to work properly you know that those things aren't easy and there's probably a lot of people a lot of effort a lot of in, uh fantastic work that went into that so i think that should be kind of looked at as a good thing but it, it's just unbelievable to me to your point around the business model they tried to develop around this it's uh, i've heard nothing but awesome things about the tech honestly. yeah exactly it's it, it's literally the most advanced i've talked to like carl who's really into this uh at sg uh other people who really know this stuff inside and out i'm kind of on a i'm on like a thin layer of understanding of the full details of it um but many people have told me it is the best cloud streaming tech today period it is yeah, um, it was i don't know so it's uh yeah, it's just it's strange, isn't it? I mean, it's just and, and and I commented on this on Twitter too. The other thing that baffles me with this in addition to the business model, right? Is this is Google who literally owns the online algorithm. They own it. They run it. YouTube, Google, I mean literally Google, not the company, but the search engine. I mean, uh Dan and I joked a few years ago, Dan has Google uh internet, which I used to have at my old house. The For guy now. who installed yeah. his internet didn't even know what Stadia was. The Google guy. <laughs> like, how <laughs> does that happen? A company that, your company's too big. That's what I would say. Oh, yeah. God. I no, mean, Alphabet is just too many letters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it uh, it's crazy. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting to see the uh, the stumbling blocks because, you know, there's these three powerhouses duking it out in the cloud space. And, you know, they each have their own And to be clear, Google is third there. Uh, yeah, they're the worst one. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, if AWS ever creates like a cloud game product, I think it's probably going to be Luna. If you go oh, talk Luna to people about Luna, Luna is strong in terms of their tech. I don't know if Amazon's yeah. ever going to go commercial with it, but I've so, heard very uh, good things from developers about Luna. 
Me too. Uh, I actually, and they, and they, and they might pick the bones of Stadia, by the way, with all these developers that are possible. used to developing on cloud. Yeah. If you're not familiar with Albert Pinello, he is an ex-hardware engineer at uh, Microsoft at Xbox. He was a key part of the uh, some of the hardware through Xbox Generations, actually. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to talk to him a few times. Super nice guy. He's at Amazon now with Luna. Um, Star and- Wars trader GIF, you know. <laughs> what? You know, Stormtrooper <laughs> trader. Yeah, it's, it's the terrible scene where a rando stormtrooper comes out and yells "traitor" at Finn. Just, if it's fine. Okay, anyway. yeah. you got to remember, I'm the I'm the Star Wars noob around here. Um, you did get I, me to laugh, though, Trev. My point was is that I uh, actually reached out and I I want to talk to someone about Luna because it's just sitting out there, right? It's Amazon. I have it. I have it right here. Yeah, you guys want to see it in action. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'd love to learn more about it. They're just they're they're kind of just sitting in the background right now, and I I'm very curious about what they're building towards. So they're going to be positive things. But they're Microsoft's real co- competitor. You know, the next decade. Yeah, I mean AWS and then Azure. Azure is growing faster than AWS, but AWS is number one in the world um, in terms of yeah. cloud infrastructure. I'd have to look at the market share. I don't know that it's particularly close. Yeah. AWS and, is a freaking gig- gigantic. Yeah, a- AWS <laughs> dominates, and and <laughs> and they have a lot in the past eighteen months. You'd be okay. Yeah, Azure has grown it, but it's grown like in the business sector. Like I, I think uh, sure, that's true. I, yeah, I, th- I think um, a- a- AWS is not only huge, it's probably the better product of the three. I mean, that's why it's so huge. And they have Twitch and they're Amazon with like the whole shipping thing, which who knows what advantages that brings. Like it, it's if you're Microsoft, you are scared of Amazon, like turning them into something real, especially if they undercut your price and they do something crazy that only Amazon can afford because they have as much money as Microsoft. That I mean, that's... Well, presumably like, they're I've, I've, like Google, and, and what you run is a streaming Game Pass alternative, and exactly, you run, and you, you make it cheaper. Yeah, you make it you make it eight dollars. You know what I mean? Like you, you, they and they could afford that even if they were doing it at a loss. So, I mean, it, it's crazy. The, the one like thing that the is a question, an opening question, is like if Stadia was paying so much money for their games, like an ungodly amount. I'm wondering if maybe that's what's keeping Amazon at a distance. Is like maybe like. It, it's a huge bet and i don't know why stadia was paying so much maybe it's just getting developers to take you seriously or take that big risk to put all their chips in your basket or whatever but like i could see that being the one thing or they're, they're playing the waiting game they're waiting for something to kind of change but well, yeah, dude, they're, they're exclusive. Giant. I mean, like that's the same as mixer um i think amazon has has learned its lesson on giant exclusive contracts and exactly how much needle that moves in the gaming space um <laughs> But we'll, 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 we'll see. I, I do. The only reason I mention them is because it is a name I don't hear a lot. And I, and from people that I trust is like, Luna is pretty badass. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so, controller shit. But yeah, that's, cool. that's, cool. <laughs> that's, that's uh, fixable. I think. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you don't like the controller? No, nah, it's bad. Controller. Do you have a Luna controller, Dan? Yeah, yeah. I do. This is Dan. Yeah. Man. I'll grab mine right now. It's right over there. <laughs> Dan probably has. It, it's, he never used. I feel like it's, a, probably it's like an it. Xbox controller, but it's it's very weighty. It's very heavy. It's a heavy controller. Man, um, I, I I feel like I have most video gaming things. I do not have a Luna controller. Yeah, Luna controller. I mean, that actually you that's know not an Xbox controller. No, no that's like a Switch Pro. I mean, they they copied like it, but like Pro. the thing about it is like you really it, it looks like oh this is an Xbox controller, right? 
but then you hold it and it's sort of got that feel of like a switch pro controller where like the triggers are really soft you know like they don't really feel like gaming triggers and then the buttons all feel a little weird the thumbsticks aren't tuned as well as you think like there's just little parts of it where you're like you, you know the uh what what's the um the roku controller you ever touch that thing where like the d-pad feels like a little plasticky yeah. like a kid's yeah. toy it's got like that part like here it's like this is a weird d-pad it's like a little soft on it like you know it's like it's like holding a roku controller and you're like this feels like a kid's toy um it's funny but i mean you see the potential there like you look at it and you're like is that an xbox controller no nope, you know you know why i like it better than stadia already because it has offset sticks yeah yeah, thank, thank you, God man. for that, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, it feels okay. It, honestly, the main problem with it, Ains, and this is super fixable, is really the triggers. Like, yeah. no, this is like a no-clicking, like... Yeah. It just, it just doesn't feel like what you want when you when you pull a trigger, so... Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a good 1.0, but yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> By the way, I'll uh, I'll shout out Amit in the uh, chat. He says, NVIDIA Gef GeForce Now is probably the best tech at the moment. I've heard very... Excellent. I haven't used it, but I've heard great things about that as well. So yes, that's yes. My the description that I got was that they started behind and that they've gotten a lot better and maybe beating the stadias of the world. But I don't know. I don't play any of these. <laughs> yeah. So so what do you guys think Google does with this tech then going forward? Do they lease it out? Do they they, they try again? It? Or that you know you think they're going to do it all nope, over again? They, they try I again. Mean, all, all they said in their press release was about yeah working with partners that the tech will carry forward and I can read it if you want. I've got it right here. No, I, no, I read that part. But what do you guys think? They, uh, they move it to that? enterprise. They're not coming back to gaming for a bit. That's my bet. I, I think that's probably right. That they're not coming back for a bit, but they are coming back. There's always a new manager, always right. looking to make a name. We'll see. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. <laughs> enterprise tech. I, I'd be I'd be surprised if they come back to gaming in the next few years. You think that's not next, not, very, not next few years. No. Okay. Once once like, you know, the Amazon makes a move or whatever and they see that like I mean, there's only three people that can do this. There's three companies that can do this sort of thing. Sure. One of them's got to win. And when one of them proves that it can work and Microsoft is almost there or Amazon could just pop out and just like destroy everything like I think I think Google's going to look at that and be like, hmm, now we've seen the model that works. We can replicate that. And they have advantages Amazon doesn't. To your point, they are the search engine people. They've got YouTube. Um, I actually think Microsoft's in the weakest position. The only reason Microsoft is competing right now is because they are an established brand in the game space. If they weren't, no chance. Google has way more advantages. Amazon has Twitch. Like It's just like, I, I, I think that if it were those three behemoths, Microsoft would be the one to be scared about personally. We'll see how long Amazon has Twitch. I'm getting investor sound effects all over the place on that one. <laughs> I hope you're right. I hate that. I mean, I, I don't really like Twitch as a product, but I, I that that synergy is really irritating. Right. Yeah. I tell you what, man, cutting off the top, the most lucrative streamers of their most uh, of their best cut. Um, that there, there's a whole lot of signals that somebody's unhappy with the revenue generation or lack thereof from their Twitch product, and I. That's the kind of thing, I didn't say this in my video on it, that's the kind of thing that can lead to an absolute scuttling uh, and, and spinoff. Yeah. Well, there's lots of people who would love to have, uh, you know, Twitch in their back pocket. As you, as you know, Microsoft is one of them. They see the value in that and not even making money off of it, just having the people on your platform. So, Well, yeah, Microsoft has much more trouble on the Activision deal. They're not going to be able to buy Twitch at the same time. That's freaking no. vertical as hell. Yeah, no <laughs> way, no way. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, vertical integration let me get to some super chats that have been sitting here sit them 
Yeah, game positive with the six ninety nine Canadian. Great discussion around reviews nice. between Vogue and Ty Guy Travis. Chats like those is what makes BitCast so unique. All killer, no filler. Love you all. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank we you. did it, Hogue. Yes, high five. I'm, our, I, I'm our, doing our it. Our intense dislike of one another became <laughs> profitable yet again. I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> it's not even true. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. Appreciate you. Gecko Gamers in the house. Yeah, with the five euros. What is Phil Harrison's kill count now? <laughs> Unlimited. Four? Yeah, I was trying I to mean, be is that is that a kill count or does it mean like wouldn't that be a death count? So isn't it like his KD? Oh, he survives. Well? May we all have a career that requires exactly as much success as Phil Harrison has shown. I mean, he he respawns. Is that survival though? It's like the gaming little finger. That's he has he more does. money than any of us will have for all of these jobs where he has done nothing but fail. Mm. I might have more money than him. All right, I've got ambition here. We'll see. You know, Sorry. one day, one day, guys. One day, maybe Travis can kill your company. Reach out to him. My my best guess is that he's amazing in the room. He, he in that interview room. He is he is freaking greatest showman. He has a musical yeah. number. There are elephants. Uh, and by the time you're done, you're convinced that you should go with whatever his business model is. Hell or high water. He's like the whiz from Seinfeld. <laughs> he looks at you in the starry eyes. I can't believe uh, you had to buy the games on Stadia. I, I, how, how could that be your model? How yeah. could it be your model? It's crazy, <laughs> dude. And then you had to pay more for the 4K version or whatever. Like just everything about it was so like. Uh, that's what i said i didn't even take credit right because i put up when it, when it goes down i put up the same like my video uh from saying it's going down from the first moment it's like i literally didn't even take credit it's like you don't have to be nostradamus you don't have to be a genius we need no plaudits for this thing gets announced as oh yeah that's not gonna work yep <laughs> <laughs> hey, you read it you're like nope that's a bit. <laughs> um what was I going to say about Phil Harris? I think I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it anyway, and I'm certainly not going to name names. But there's a gentleman who I uh, interacted with very early on in season gaming. We became friends. He uh, lives in L.A. He's been part of some bigger kind of gaming things, startups and other things and talking and uh, uh, super nice guy. And I have lunch with him every time I'm out there for E3 now. Sadly, obviously, we haven't the last couple of years, but maybe next year, uh, which we're going to talk about in a second, actually. Um, but I remember vividly in e3 in 2019 we were having lunch we were at a mexican place and we're sitting there me and bert were talking with him and we talked about stadia and he goes the the running joke right now among his peers is that phil harrison's there it's dead on arrival it's absolutely dead on how how could that not be your assumption if you actually look look at this career and i'm not look you know what he's a human being and more power to him for getting this many chances honestly uh but yeah, I, I don't know how you can be an executive at Google because they remember before they announced this, they've they've whiteboarded this. They have business planned this. They've identified markets. They've got what they think their plan is for months, months. If people aren't familiar with this process, you have binders that are actually identifying how you're going to make money on this, what it's going to make sense, how the other competitors are likely to react like you have an entire plan. And I can't even imagine how it must have read. It's like it had to have been just a fantasy novel that George R. R. Martin would be jealous of by the time you got to the end of this business plan. And you know, it did what it it did what it did. I it's exactly what we would have expected Stadia to do. Hmm. There you go. Uh, right. 
We got a uh, we got a two euro uh, super chat. Just a sticker from Google Man. Google Man, if you uh, stickers are awesome. Look at yeah. that sticker on that water bottle behind Ainsley's shoulder. Sticker is sweet. <laughs> uh, super appreciative of that. If uh, you meant to type something and didn't, uh, let us know. Otherwise, uh, thank you as uh, thank you for the support, man. Thank you. And then uh, Gecko Gamer uh, back with another super chat. Dan, you got yeah, back again. Yeah, I believe the original GDC stands of Stadia are still on action. It also comes with an uh, ET cartridge and a Dreamcast, which were displayed with it. Do you remember this story, Dan? So I, they, they dressed up the hallway going into the presentation with like major things in gaming history. And for whatever reason, they decided to include like three of the most notable failures in oh, history. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Power Glove, Dreamcast, and... E.T. Yeah. And now they live among those. Well, the hey, guy who made the stand, did you see he posted on Twitter? The guy no. who made that stand posted on Twitter. He's like, we're going to make a new one to add Stadia to the end of it. Hey, you know what? They were right the whole time. Yeah. Yep, they knew it. They it's saw Google's their mantra, man. Fail fast, make mistakes once. So they 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 kill things. That's why there's so many dead Google products. They just try new stuff, and if it doesn't work, kill it. Try something else. <laughs> they have the money for it. Speaking it's of all that YouTube money, they're taking from Hogue. That's what they funded Stadia with. Just that. It's not an just insubstantial that. amount they take from me. Yeah, they took that thirty-five percent. That was their entire Stadia budget. Hogue. Just no, it's not that Twitch but. fifty, but it is it is a good chunk. Yeah, you're not lying. Um. By the way, how smart is Jade Raymond looking right now that uh, she got out of there and had her studio bought by PlayStation? Mm -hmm. uh, it's another interesting character in the video game industry with very limited successes to show for it. But hopefully there's a new one coming. Hogue is just like pioneer. You're wrong, though. We've talked about Born that. And I think you look at Phil Harrison, you look at Jade Raymond, you look at some other people that you could think of. And I think if you take anything away from this kind of conversation, you recognize the importance of actual personal branding, right? It's, it's yes, you can work for your company. Yes, you can be creative. Yes, you can be successful. But like we know Jade Raymond's name because of Assassin's Creed, essentially, which is really long in the tooth. Uh, and hasn't done anything since, but has continued to market herself very well, goes to those talks, does, the, does those kind of things, gets interviewed a lot. More power to her. Uh, this is not me dissing her, uh, but we haven't seen anything successful from Phil or Jade or, heck, I mean, I really like Amy Hennig, but she's been out in the wild doing failed projects now for six, seven years. Hogue is the master of the backhanded compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I care what other people say, Travis. I like you. <laughs> That's Hogue. <laughs> it's the pot <laughs> Maybe it's the kiss of death. You don't want me to like you, but I, look, <laughs> as a business, as a business guy, it's like, hey, you go, you go, go get your bag, man. Uh, but I don't, I don't have to be super enthused by Haven Studios. Or freaking Sachin and Della saying, well, Sony bought Haven. Sony get out of here. Haven. They're man. just trying to get Activision. Come on. Get out of here, man. <laughs> Speaking of, we'll segue right there. Anything. So we, we saw some weird stuff in the press and VGC ran an article that I think was half debunked and all kinds of ridiculous. Debunked. Denied is more likely, but yes. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. And, and you are much closer to this because you speak about it, uh, you know, uh, the details of it. So anything you want to add to this week's episode of uh, why hasn't Xbox bought Activision as of August? By the way, I was told by credible sources that, that this was closing in August. What happened? 
It wasn't me, as you know. No. Uh, no, I think October was the last ridiculous stream I had heard. Yeah, no, no, you you have. If you're following other podcasts or social media commentary, you've heard some ridiculous timeframes uh, for this deal. I've stuck to my guns of first quarter, probably late first quarter 2023 for the entirety of this period. Uh, but yeah, this last week, you've seen that uh, Microsoft finally submitted its documentation to the European Union. Um, and so they are, they are layering their notifications so that they can focus on them kind of in order, which makes sense as a project for a big global uh, acquisition like this. The EU has said that they have until I think like the earliest of November to decide whether they're going to phase yeah. two. Spoiler alert, the EU is going to phase two, folks. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and it's not going to be a surprise to Microsoft either. So the EU is likely to go through the holiday season. And so it is extraordinarily unlikely that you'd even get even quasi approval from the European Union before next year. Um, and so at this point in time, what you've got is a normal process proceeding. I think you saw some reports of Jim Ryan heading to Brussels uh, in the past few days. Uh, and I will say this, as part of an investigation of a deal, it is very normal. In fact, it's written into most of the statutes to go and interview the other major parties in the market that they are examining. Sony and Jim Ryan are part of this story and have been from the beginning. Now, had I expected them to be a bit more genteel about this? Yes. Did they start that way? Yes. I think what happened is they took a look at the political environment and said, oh, my God, there's a chance we could actually get something real out of this if we go and we shout about it. Um, and so I think you're seeing Sony take a slightly different tack than what they did at the beginning. And I would expect that to continue through the end. I expect Activision to be owned by Microsoft. Uh, next year. I also still expect there to be some concessions that they make to various ways in which they can operate those assets for some period of time, which Microsoft in all likelihood doesn't care about, that is not likely to constrain their use of those assets. Um, that's really the big conversation, I think, is exactly how much in terms of concessions are they going to be asked for. Uh, but that deal, I think, is going to go through. And if it doesn't, if they press too hard on it, that's not going to be the end of the story because Microsoft's going to sue for it. Yep, which you've commented on before. So I, uh, I'm i going to begin to call this segment as the acquisition turns, and we'll just have you. <laughs> I tell we'll you what, you <laughs> so many virtual legality videos if we go federal lawsuit. Oh, yeah. So many. Sure. Yeah, that'll be that'll <laughs> be your next Amber Heard for sure, if that actually happens. Because <laughs> it will, honestly, it'll have a lot of drama. It'll have, you know, apparently. Oh, yeah. You know, senators. Oh, it'll be the uh, worst. Senators saying, claiming that they should. You know, we should act on laws that haven't been passed yet and probably won't be. You know, it's, it's just lunacy, I think, will happen. I mean, say, say what you will about either of these companies, and I don't particularly like either of them because I'm, you know, suspicious of authority in general. Sure. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's a Jewish thing. Uh, and uh, the, the uh, but, but I will say, like, you know, PlayStation is playing a very finite game here, and it's such a bad, it's such a stupid strategy. I mean, like, this is. This like the fact that they're opposed to this, even though philosophically they don't have a problem with the thing that's happening. They're just doing whatever thing strikes their fancy to get finite and they think there's you know, a win short term there. games. They think, they oh, there's a win. win. We'll we'll take this yeah. stance here. We'll take this stance here, even though they're completely contradictory because we're just trying to. The yeah. idea is us, and that's just like a such a good way to like make no one trust you and think you're only out for yourself. And it also means that you know if you're playing the finite game, you think that at some point you're going to win and. People, companies that act like that, their big problem is that when they think they've won, they start acting like winners. And well, nobody I, likes that. <laughs> nobody likes that. And so you have to you have to think of it as what it is, which is it's a game that never ends. And all of your strategies should be 
built around a value or philosophy and everything you do should be consistent. And Microsoft is doing that and PlayStation isn't. And I think that's why everyone's so frustrated with PlayStation. They're like, what do you stand for? And we don't know. Right now, what they stand for is us. And it's just uh, you, you don't a, have to tell me, right? I, I in yeah. consecutive videos this week, I did Sachin Nadella is a disingenuous CEO is making an argument that nobody should listen to. Followed immediately by ah PlayStation with another messaging faux pas. Let's talk about PlayStation <laughs> Stars, right? And as you would expect in comments on the internet, I was told that I was a shill for either side uh, in consecutive <laughs> videos, and that's fine. Uh, but no, I don't think I don't think either of these corporations are doing awesome right now. But Microsoft is clearly doing better. Um, with the messaging. Now, that's it's helped greatly by the fact that for the most part, the law for 100 years is on their side. Um, and Sony is now just looking at it and saying, well, maybe we can convince people that uh, we got a little a little something that they could protect on for us. But I think Sony, honestly, Travis, is getting pretty close to a point of panic. They're, you know, they are very vulnerable to a down market. Uh, they're very vulnerable to what we're seeing in the economy and what we're seeing. Yeah, in we're seeing it right now. And um, yeah. they've got They've got actual pay the bill type problems if it gets a little worse. Um, so I think that they are reacting very strongly. My opinion to you, Sony, yeah. is this is the time where you stand for something. That's what saves the company. You need to play the infinite game. This is, I mean. I, hey, man, I'll nominate, I'll nominate you for CEO. <laughs> this is his Fine, move. I'll take the job, man. Where he I'll, comes in. I'll, I'll finally be making that Phil Harrison money, Hogue. I told we'll do, you. We'll do a um, Travis yeah. Hogue co-CEO. We got you, Sony. We can fix it. That'd that. be great. We got you. I would be happy to run your company. I feel like I just, you know, I could tell other people who are smarter than me to do stuff, and I'll just be the guy who comments on things. It seems like what CEOs do anyway, right? They just kind of go, eh, I don't like that idea. Well, when they're not steering the boat into the icebergs, yes. Yeah. CEOs yeah. are very important. This is the conversation. I have a video on my channel that's actually about like, here's why they get paid so much. It's because their every whim can move the ship into the iceberg or not. And so you got to be real careful with that. And it's a select group that you don't want to have your ship hit the iceberg. It's just uh, so frustrating, Hogue, because they literally are in the games industry. They I should know, understand guys. game theory. They should understand what they're doing. <laughs> All right. Well, hold on. Now you just confuse chat. Okay. So game theory, as fun as it sounds, has nothing to do with games like we know it them. Doesn't. Just so we're clear. <laughs> um, but yes, you're right. And I, I caught that you're using all your uh, your game theory notions of infinite games yeah. and brinksmanship and whatnot. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I, Jim Ryan, I think, is a bad CEO for Sony in this moment. Would he have been a bad CEO for Sony in different points in their generational history? Maybe not. I think in this moment, he's flat-footed, and he doesn't know how to deal with the Microsoft that's throwing money around. And I'm not telling you it's an easy thing to, to, to deal with. Um, Definitely but not. I think he's but dealing it's frustrating with to watch. It's just yeah. frustrating to watch as like a consumer who has any kind of awareness of... Nintendo's doing right. so much better. Nintendo has threats in this scenario as well, but you don't think about them that way because Nintendo is essentially staying the course and, and doing what it does uh, with its re assets and its resources. And it has equal vulnerability to Sony in terms of market capitalization and tech dependencies and things like that. And Sony is flailing right now. We have the answer, guys, by the way. OBM uh, gave it to us. Phil Harrison is available. Hey, don't undersell it, man. So Sony, <laughs> Sony announces new vice president, Phil Harrison. Be ready. <laughs> oh, man. Harrison's on their door right now. Like, look, guys, I can fix this. And he puts on his show. I'm telling you, he gets in the room. He spins some spellcraft. And then suddenly Phil Harrison is in charge. I'm down. <laughs> Do it. So would, so would Sony stocks. Oh, my gosh. 
All right. We'll move on from that. Man. <laughs> hey, yeah, right. I, heard, well, I was sort of Tencent was, you know, very exciting. I'll choose There was just a, literally an article that said they were. Sean, you know, Layden. Start, Sean Layden joined the. They got Sean Layden. Tencent. Yeah. And then I'll, the, yesterday they came out and they're like, yeah, we're going to be more aggressive in acquisitions, especially in the they West. Did? So well, we got all these stories. Tencent wants to do more fantastic. acquisitions. We got the Saudi family putting 35 billion. 35, yeah. 30, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is great. This is great. I love <laughs> hearing about acquisitions. I tweeted it out. Giant companies. Everybody's guessing what that 13 billion dollar proposed acquisition is, by the way. My guess is Embracer. Great. Okay. Super duper. Sorry, who's getting acquired? I, I uh nobody's getting acquired yet. The Saudis mm-hmm. put together a fund. That is has mm. apparently been funded for thirty-five billion. They say they already have a target that they are intending to pay thirteen billion for. That is a major publisher of well-known IPs. None, none of our publishers match that number, right? Because it's basically EA at like thirty-three, and then everybody else is in like the sevens and eights and sixes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think it's a risk premium on Embracer. If you recall, Embracer just took a billion dollars in Saudi money last year. They did. Yeah. Um, so I. Th- think that's probably foot in the door again this is all speculation folks don't take this to your local stock market uh but <laughs> embracer feels like the kind of thing i've said this you know you've heard me say this that that's a hedge fund roll-up model that they have been doing which is it designed is. around an exit for like a double roi and so yep. if you have a 6.8 billion dollar company that's rolled up lord of the rings and all this other stuff and you sell out at double well then you're a pretty damn successful hedge fund uh, and you don't really care if you sell to the Saudis. Uh, and so Embracer to me feels right. They don't have a history of being a game company uh, and it matches up, but who knows? They also could be bluffing, but that's the fun and speculation. <laughs> Super. Yeah. It keeps getting better and better, guys. Yeah. It's not oh, going to stop. Why everything? Yeah, it's not going to stop. Gaming industry is huge and growing, man. A lot There's of money. money to be made. It's fine. fine. Yeah. It'll it'll purge the industry with a cleansing fire and new developers and publishers. Will it might up. purge it. But look, if you look at you know what is likely to be consumer reaction to 40% of the industry owned by China and another 30% owned by Saudi Arabia, you might have essentially a fleeing of developer talent. Oh, yeah. Uh, because artists are artists. Yep. Artists <laughs> so, gonna artist and they don't yeah. they don't hang out with the, either of those uh, parts of the world. So, yeah, that's, I, I agree. And I think that's good. Well, for the record, I think. Oh, I like I said, I've said uh, the reason I have a problem with antitrust even threatening stuff on like the Activision deal is because it's such a dynamic industry. You don't yeah. need machines. You don't need factories. You don't need to be in any specific place. Um, and so I, I expect that dynamism to come through. And if, yeah, if, if Tencent squeezes American companies and if Saudi Arabia does it at the same time, I would expect there to essentially be an, a reinvigoration of what motivated Activision and Electronic Arts back when they were formed. So, yep. I mean, I, I don't think you can lock them in like that. So that's why I don't actually express the same fears that you sometimes hear with some of the podcasts and things like that. I don't think, I don't think gaming technology can be controlled in the way that some of these companies think it might be able to. Yeah. It's not, it's not, they're not buying oil reserves, you know what I mean? It's, it's limitless creative. It's people you're trying to control and people are going to do what they want to do, especially creative people. (laughs) They're the the hardest. Nothing's truer than artists going to artists. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, our artists gonna go to you know dog birthday parties. They're gonna eat oh, no. bagels. They're gonna do whatever they want. That's just their, that's just how they roll, man. They, they're, they're, they're virile. We can't control hey, them. Well, they're gonna chafe if the Saudi family tries to change what they're doing. They'll do that. Yeah, the Saudi yeah. family tells them no more dog birthdays. I, I, I would argue that. Yeah, 
you might have a little bit harder time in China than you would say in Seattle or something, <laughs> you know, with your creative expression. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Oh yeah. All right. Censorship. I'm going to, I'm going to segue from dog birthday party somehow, but we're going to talk about E3. Perfect. So one of the talk E3 coming back. Master of Blend. Add it again. Yeah, there you go. Add it again. (laughs) Add it again. Uh, E3, where there will be hopefully no dog birthday parties that we have to attend. But uh, this, they finalized the dates this week and they finalized their approach to the event. So this is being put on by Reed Pop in coordination with the ASA. It's coming back in about the same time period it always used to be, which is June 13th through the 16th. Uh, specifically, and Travis and I have talked about this, and I, I know we DM'd over this, but I like the approach that they're talking about here, which is that June 13th and 14th will be media only, period, uh, for the event. And then 15th and 16th will be open to fans. However, they're actually separating the halls. So if you've been to the uh, Los Angeles Convention Center, there's multiple halls that connect. Um, and basically, in the past several or few e3s where they allowed fans in there was this kind of just mix of everything together and it was a a cluster f for lack of a better word so what they're seemingly doing here is recognizing the importance of uh, journalists and what have you having access to be able to cover this properly and do their interviews and video recordings and all these you know setups they'll probably i would assume travis probably have space for like the the ign panels and setups and game spots and you know the big companies but that'll be in a separate place where they can do that professionally and organized without being interrupted while they'll have a secondary hall where i guess whatever publishers sign on to be part of this uh, we'll do their game demonstrations and stage performances and whatever else they decide to do. But um, so sounds I, like I, a good approach on paper. Yes, I I think this is the best they could have they could have shown us as like a blueprint for what what we're looking for. It tries to accomplish Great. everything they want. I I will probably disagree with you that it's going to be like IGN and outlet booths in the back. I think those will be up front with the publishers in like the public area because part of what you're doing when you record is you're having like the people in the background and kind of like the displays and you're like, it, you want to be part of the show. Yeah. Travis, I think the, go, Travis. yeah, Travis. I think, <laughs> I think the, um, the, yeah, exactly. They need to be shouting that hoke. You got it. Yeah. I'll, I'll um, so, in the back. Yeah. Um, and then I think the, I think the second hall is for, they've always had this at E3, by the way, it's just, you don't really usually see it, but I think it'll be like the not pretty booths that don't have a lot of like displays or statues or crazy, you know, theme park rides that you get to go on that, that have, you know, <laughs> Borderlands character on it or whatever. Um, they'll just be like very nondescript booths where you actually get to see the stuff that they're not ready to show to the public yet. And you get like early access coverage and that sort of thing, which those have already existed. Um, but they've been sort of deprioritized for like the the fun fanfare part. And sometimes, you know, I would go to E3 and I would have to run through like lines of fans waiting at a Nintendo booth who are all like, you know, dressed up as their favorite Pokemon. <laughs> and I and then you 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 make your way up to the booth and then you talk to some guy and you're like, what's that? What's that? And you're trying to take notes as everybody's screaming around you about the stuff. And I think the idea of separating that which by the way, that's great. I'm not knocking it. It's awesome. It, it certainly makes my job harder when I'm just trying to like cover things, but it, it's totally fine. It's fun. It's exciting. But I think separating that from like the, all right, time to get work done and like have meetings and like look at the demo of a game and capture footage and interview someone, that sort of stuff I feel like needs a separate hall for it. And then, you know, after I'm done with that, I'm happy to run across the way and then you know, look at all of the crazy stuff, but there was sort of like a weird, like overlap where it's like, 
they're they're trying to do two things at once and it's very yeah. clear they're trying to do two things at once it's like they're trying to talk to fans and give out swag and have people on mics announcing you know contests and giveaways and all that and then like there's some like pr guy like going like yeah we're gonna sneak you into this demo a little bit early so you can see it and then get on to your next appointment and it's just like there's a lot of kind of logistical problems with the way e3 was set up so i love this for a lot of reasons early uh kind of get the get the you know press stuff out of the way the media stuff and the developers all mixing and mingling out of the way do the fan thing at the back half and then i imagine myself and other people who work in the industry will probably go to both right we'll probably just be yeah. a part of both just for one for work and then one for just fun and and i think that that's a fantastic model so i'm excited man i'm just excited for for to get back to e3 to go back to uh these sorts of events i miss trade show events and um yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really excited. Hopefully, I'll see you guys there. You too, yeah, man. Want to get you out? Me? I've never. Yeah, I want to get you. Oh, Hogue, you're coming. Why not? You're coming, why, bro. Why not? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I think the closest I ever came was being invited when I worked at uh, Electronics Boutique. Uh, but uh, no, I don't know. Do I get a media pass now? I don't know if I'm. I'll media. get you a media pass. Your media. Yeah. I mean, you can get right. a media pass. Yeah. You can get a media pass for sure, just with your YouTube account. But if you couldn't, I would help you out. Come on, you got to go. <laughs> I, California in June. I don't know. It's getting close to the last week of school. We'll see. We'll see. California in June, a beautiful time to visit. I mean, our weather never changes, but that is also a beautiful time to visit. It's hot. It's hot in LA. I don't know. Maybe if I could have hot a Sherpa LA. guide me around. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we'll I'll, talk I'll offline. Busy. Do you like running in a suit? I, I'll tell you, that's what I do at E3. I run around in a suit. It's very I'm wearing sweaty. a suit in this vision of E3? I mean, no, in my vision, wearing everyone's a wearing a suit. No. It just looks like an old 1930s Yankee game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I had it um, my way. I actually lost you, Travis. My damn he headphone disconnected. So I lost you while you were. It was all good stuff, Haynes. So some of that. So great. I'm glad you I was, I, I was talking, I was talking, said. I was talking about uh, the fact that I think the IGN booths will be in the public area. I think that that's the place for it. Yeah, where the but. panels and stuff are. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they break it up. But I, I like the approach. I, um, I'll definitely be there. I'm looking forward to catching up with a lot of people. I mean, uh, you know, just season gaming alone has changed a lot since we lasted E3 in 2019. Um, so it should be a good time, man. It's always a good time. So looking forward to it. Um, all right. Now I have sad news to get to you guys. Uh, let me get the super chat actually real quick from Real Radic. Yes, sir. $5 Canadian. Uh, which of these is the most likely to buy Square Enix and why? Tencent? Saudi Wealth Fund, NetEase, Sony, or Microsoft? I mean, I was, um, I'm just guessing I'd say Sony, but... I, I think, think Square Enix is holding out for Sony. Yeah. I don't know if Sony has the cash. I think that that's what they yeah. want, too. I think Square Enix probably wouldn't sell to Microsoft, even though Microsoft wants it the most, because they need that that you know in their portfolio. Uh, but they're also tied up with other deals right now, so I think they're pretty much out just for too many reasons to count. It's not going to be Microsoft. Um, nobody wants wife, to sell the My wife committing me to E3 in the chat here. I do see that, dude. <laughs> like, the, honestly, like, I should just go through her. I feel like she's the real. <laughs> for the record, the real that power is the way here. to get me on the schedule. Yeah. I honestly, <laughs> I, I'm just going to start DMing her, dude. She's in my DMs. Like, I'm just going to hit her up. She's chill. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, uh, I hope your point about Sony is interesting because, uh, you know, the way the market is right now and the way Sony's performing, I have to start to wonder what that looks like and how it impacts PlayStation uh, kind of 
focuses uh, in the near future. So well, we'll unlike Embracer, Square, you know, has a history. Uh, both Squaresoft and Enix have a history in gaming. I, I don't think that they would necessarily just want to offload for whatever the financially expedient answer is. I think you've seen them kind of playing footsie with Sony. Um, I, I don't know if Sony has the asset yeah. base to pull the trigger. I don't uh, think so. And I think Square Enix probably will just keep holding out. They're like, uh, you know, he's he's not ready emotionally for a relationship, but I'm right. just going to wait, you know. Just, <laughs> that's the, and I, I, I don't think, I don't think Square Enix will sell to Tencent either. There's they will not sell like, to Tencent. That would there's a, there's, there's a nationalism me. thing there that I probably don't want to touch, but yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I think there, I think, I think there's, I think, I think Hogue's got it exactly right. I think it's like a, that's my old flame, you know. I'm just gonna. I'm okay being alone. If, if he ever becomes free, I'll be happy to. You know, it's one of those. Things. Well, and they they spun off their West because they didn't want to do it anymore. But that also eases some burdens on their general financial situation. Um, so they have enough time to to wait for the one to be ready for them. Um, so I mean, I, I I think Square Enix and Sony. I think those crazy cats get together at some point. But like outside of I don't even know a, a seller yeah. finance multi-billion dollar acquisition. Uh, you're you're gonna get you're, you got some issues with Sony, and and Sony has to figure out where the bottom is. Sony has not yeah. figured out where its floor is right now. Sony's in free the bottom. And you you're right. Hope, you know what, Hogue? I I hope they end up together. I think they I, I was just gonna Square, say Square Enix Square feels Enix. like that. They're that couple that everyone's watching yeah. to see when they get together. Like, will they? Won't they? Square Enix. They've just been. They've been such a good friend, and I feel like they deserve it, you know? Well, the biggest risk is actually, if you think of Square Enix, is like you think about Nintendo, right? Square Enix has a very close relationship with Nintendo as well. Um, and so Nintendo has to at least be cognizant of that. If, if Sony were going to take them exclusive, that's a, that's a chunk of Nintendo's support from third party. Um, so, I mean, I think there are, there are a whole lot of things to discuss there. Nintendo definitely doesn't either have, I, I don't think, the wherewithal or the, the base to go and try to grab Square Enix. But... Um, when you think about the Switch generation in particular, I think of Square Enix games, right? I think of, I think of Triangle Strategy. I think of Octopath Traveler. Harvestella is an exclusive. Like Square Enix is going through Nintendo, pretty yeah. extensively, uh, on a certain on a certain type of game. And then well, for their big budget, gajillion dollar ones, they go with Sony. They go with Sony. Yeah, I was just thinking to myself as you were saying that it'd be kind of funny to see the next mainline Final Fantasy game announced as a Switch exclusive. Like, and I don't think Square would put themselves in that position. No, yeah, they wouldn't because their entire tech is built on games that couldn't possibly exist on the Switch. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think, I don't Luminous think is tech that shouldn't possibly exist anywhere, but it is what <laughs> it is. The money's in. <laughs> All right. Um, let me get to, uh, before we jump to the next topic, I'll get a super chat. Rob said uh, he posted a super chat and then he said, I'm an hour behind listening. So I'm sorry for the delayed question. But yeah, do you play, or do any of you play Satisfactory? I think game. Coffee Sane handles early access and public feedback really well. Yep. Thank you, Rob. Did it, uh, did it get a review? Uh, it did not. Uh, Satisfactory is a first-person factory builder, I believe. I think I've played like 10 minutes of it. It's a cool game. Um, I think it's super well-liked on Steam. I don't think it ever got a review from us, but uh, I, I would agree with both that Coffee Stain handles early access well, and I think, honestly small studios that are doing early access for the right reason where it's like hey our game's un not finished developed and we We'd actually like want to see that. They, yeah <laughs> they, they tend to do well they tend to do better with early access because the whole reason they're releasing the game early and selling it to people at a discount is because they actually want co-development and i feel like some people do it because they want 
money now and they don't have a finished game and there's like you know yeah. there's a little bit of yeah wrong wrong reasons to do something but coffee stain is a great example as are many small developers that are doing it because they um want to develop the game around an audience and i, I think that's the right way yeah, like I said, Clay does it great. I mean, you gave you said you gave Grifflands a nine. Grifflands was a completely different game when they started out, and they so reacted. Good. They reacted all over the place. Yeah, I really like that game, dude. I actually want to go back and play it. Grifflands is super solid. If you like arguing and lawyers, you can do it with card-based battles in Grifflands. <laughs> arguing with lawyers? Oh, so that's it. Was just training me for meeting you. <laughs> that's why that's Travis it gave was. it a nine. Now we that's understand. I, I mean, there there are little floating ideas, and then there's like you know, neg this person, and like this is yeah. what they say about this aggressively, and it's all yeah. it's all just a a uh, idealized version of arguing with me. People think <laughs> that we hate each other, Hogue, but we're actually just Sony and Square Enix. <laughs> one day story. i hope those two cool cats get together dan yeah cast <laughs> <laughs> the game <laughs> <laughs> published by uh, season gaming coming in yeah. 2027 maybe early access though. <laughs> in beta yeah yeah uh rob thank you for the uh, super chat man appreciate you um guys guys we have to talk about this little game called skull and bones uh, I know, I know, I know that Hogue. We're gonna be skull and bones when it comes out. What the hell? Well, careful, because Hogue was very excited about this. He's been very high yeah. on this game, this and I don't want to. You know, he's his allergies are bad. I don't want to make him feel bad that he has to wait another four months. It's not a small delay, from November eighth <laughs> to March 9th. Four month delay for I, this game to release. I okay. First of all, we should not be using guarantees. Like it's definitely coming out on March 9th. All right. So I think this is the sixth delay, something like that. Uh, and the funniest. Did you know Hogue's first child was born on the day Skull and Bones was announced? It's true. It's true. It probably ain't that far off. Um, the uh, the funniest part to me is right. Like I think we did an episode where we're like, oh, I can't believe they actually put out a release date. It was like early yes. July or early June. Um, and it's like, oh, they put out a release date. Well, that's interesting. They're going to they're it, it's shipping hell or high water. And we talked about it not making sense to us about various. They did a whole game. gameplay demonstration of it. They did. Yeah. And I just I can vividly remember just a, uh, like three weeks ago, <laughs> a giant virtual pirate ship with the French lady on it. Um, and what's <laughs> remarkable about that is that nobody would have there would have been maybe a smattering of jokes, but nobody expected a release date from that particular presentation in june they put out a release date within three months of that release date going out they push it back four more months i mean like i i what is what is yeah. happening it's, this game was coming out in four weeks from now that's the release date was four weeks from now as we're talking again and they pushed it back four months again I, yeah it's possible it's just a response to people like us and they didn't want to release it in that november week Ragnarok moves in there later than they did. So that date was already a little bit scuttled. But that to me puts you in January. That does that doesn't put you at the right. end of March. <laughs> so here's here's what they said. Take it as you will. Um, the invaluable feedback received during our various technical tests and insider program convinced us we could use a bit of extra time to polish and balance the experience even further and ensure you all get the best experience. So therefore, they pushed back to March. It sucked. We were hearing that it sucked. And so we're going to try to get it to unsuck. And we're giving ourselves like four more months to do it. Can unsuck yeah. be an official word my, here? My favorite, <laughs> my favorite developer thing that happens might be 
when uh, a game gets shown and it, it it they act as if the developers are seeing it for the first time. Like, <laughs> they're they're like surprised. They're like, wait, that's the game. That's it. That's what it looks like when it's all put together. Oh wow, we should probably work on that. That's like happened a few times. Like it happened when like Halo Infinite was first revealed, and the developers oh, after that were like, yeah, wow, we weren't aware the game looked like that. We're gonna work on that for you guys, like stuff like that. Uh, so. I don't know, man. I, I, I have a conspiracy theory here, which is that I think uh, I think Ubisoft saw this open window of the fall and they were like, can we is there anything we can just like get out that Skull and Bones game? We never finished that, did we? Let's just like <laughs> put that out there, see if we can get it this year when there's this big opening of, of you know, nobody's we're putting out any games. If, can we hit that? And they put it out there and the audience. You know, the reaction was, oh, that looks terrible. And they're like, all right, we tried. We tried, guys. It was a good time. <laughs> Couldn't make the window. It looked like an opening. Couldn't get there. Well, and then I'm, I'm always to double down on that point. Then you usually see these games, to Hoag's point, if it's a development thing where they just need to touch something up, it comes out early the next year, right? Like beginning of the year. If it's a thing where they're worried about it, but financial considerations start to come into play, you start to see these March releases because a lot of these couples' fiscal years end on March 31st. Right? I was going to so, say March 28 is like last train out of China exactly. if, it, if that's when your fiscal year ends. Exactly. Yep. So I'm very curious to see if this is one of those Ubisoft experiences where they finally, end of fiscal year, just say, this thing's launching. It's going out. It'll do what it'll do, do we and we're know dealing that with Ubisoft it. is on that uh, fiscal. I don't off the top of my head, but most of these companies are. Well, I, we I do know at the end of a quarter anyway, and that's a report. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um. So that's you know, if, if you ever if you're ever in my neck of the woods and just watching me do practice law, I don't know why, uh, but you will find that I have uh, greater volume at the end of quarters. People rush to get sure. things done. Their fiscal um, year does end in March. There you go, yeah. March twenty eighth. Yeah. Um, Yep. So, um, so we'll see. That's not I, I don't, that date. That is an aspirational date, folks. It's true. It's, it's well. I mean, well, it's I releasing as John. It's not releasing. On I that think date. any date is aspirational. Every for this date game is aspirational. <laughs> uh, just in general, in the games industry, any re release date is. When I when I use the phrase aspirational, I really mean that there is no funda fundamental foundational backing for that date. We're not looking at a timeline that ends with March twenty eighth. We're looking at it's coming out then because that's when it has to come out. Godspeed, developers. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and the interesting thing about this game, right? This is their Singapore team, if I recall correctly, yes. who kind of did some of their side projects. So it's it could be their first kind of big AAA release that they've tasked a team with that maybe wasn't prepared for all the facets that go into a big AAA release when you're leading it yourselves, it. right? So I, I don't know what goes into that. But one thing I want to ask you guys, and I know we've talked about this before, and lots of people across the gaming community talk about this, but and it's a very it sounds like a very generic question but how does this continue to happen like how do we get within a month or two months of a game releasing and you have all of these people with years and decades even of expertise around how games play what they look like how they present to audiences what their goals are their objectives all these aspects and yet we still continually see a month out from release, games just get delayed substantially. And this is just the latest example. And I just, to Travis, I, Travis, I think you said it earlier, like like when Halo Infinite debuted and they're just like, oh, I guess that wasn't as great as we thought it was, right? Like, how do you not know that? How, how we continue to have this problem? 
I, I, I don't know, man. Part of me <laughs> wonders if it's like, is it the remote work thing? Is it like the fact that nobody ever sees kind of the whole thing together at the same time because they're all working on different parts of it? Is it is it a weird you developer have thing? Game director and kind of you know you you go up high enough, you're looking, you're talking to people that only see the whole product, right? Sure, but it could be a single point of failure. It looks good to three or four people who are too close to it to really understand what it looks like. It, could be a lack of doing like uh, testing where they're you're afraid because of the world of leaks that we live in that they don't want to show it to the uh, even a small group of people early to see what their kind of general vibe is. I, I think there's a, a lot of potential points of failure and it we rag on them, but this is probably super hard to understand. Like, what is the reaction of like millions of people seeing your game going to be like? And I think the good news is we live in a world where when that happens and the reaction is negative, you can delay and you can change and you can improve. And Halo Infinite's a great example of that. There's lots of examples of kind of the feedback uh, driving the game and for the better. Uh, so I think that that's the good news. It's not like sure. in the old days where the game's already out and in your console by the time you see it and understand what it really is and you're pissed because you spent money. I think we live in a much better world now, uh, but it is frustrating as a consumer to just be like, why do they keep what are they doing you know like why do they keep putting out these games and and the, the first draft is just something i don't care about so it's interesting i'd say the nice version is that having seen games come together what you get when you're showing a presentation of something like halo infinite definitely looks better than it looked in your internal copies a month ago right like so i do think the human experience can get to a place where it's like that oh, looks good now because it looks good compared to what you were looking at and not compared to what players are playing out there in the market the more cynical version of that is that there's a belief that if you market hard enough and with enough exclamation points, you can make people believe what they saw was good. Um, and I think you saw that a little bit again with Halo Infinite, which is like you had the full on full court press. You had Phil Spencer. You had the Halo people. You had blog posts like every day for like three weeks going into that presentation about this is the most amazing Halo you've ever seen, et cetera. Sometimes that sex expectation is wrong. And I think that's what actually happened as well uh, with this particular release. But I think there is a belief that you can just, you can just push it hard enough and with enough money and with enough voices, um, you can get people to, uh, to back you. And certainly as part of console warring, we do see people back whatever uh, with that, with that as kind of the messaging out there. So yeah. I think both of those things happen. Uh, but I am at least uh, sympathetic towards, you should have seen it a month ago. <laughs> it looks great now. Um, and it doesn't necessarily get compared across to, you know, something else. A a Halo Infinite's presentation was bad when it was first presented. But I don't think it got that much better. I obviously am on the, on the oh, wrong side of, okay. I'm on the wrong side of this particular conversation, so I will yield there. Um, but I don't, I don't find Halo. Well, it, it, so I'll say this, Hogue. I think we can agree on this. It at least got better in the chief criteria, which it was judged, which was visually. Yep. Right. Like that was the yes. big thing that was like, That's all right, fair. we fixed the visuals. That's it. Yep. By the way, we have a comment here from Sardinism says, I would like the petition for Hogue's logo to be replaced with gaming dino because there's now no gaming dino on his screen. I would love to make that happen. It makes actually. a fair I, point. I don't have a digital gaming dino. Well, I just, I just think it's better. I think it's better than me like holding my face as I as I talk with you all. So there's there's gaming dino. I'll put him up from time to time. I prefer the holding I, my face, Hogue. It's easier to argue against a a, a beaten man. You look like you logo. got him on the ropes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I got him. Put up the versus logo, Ains. I'm gonna do, deal the finishing blow here now, fatality style. What uh -oh, would my not... fatality be? I get an animation of my logo cracking in half. My fatality is I award you a two out of ten. 
That's my fatality in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> we were joking about representing you uh, on Twitter, and somebody did say, "No, I said, well, I'd never take Travis as a client." And somebody said, "Good, he'd give you a bad review." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, I did see something. Uh, Gecko asked, "Did we ever see a game get canceled, fully canceled, after it had a public release date?" And my oh, first sure. instinct is yes. I'm sure we have, but I'm, uh, a specific game is not coming to mind. The games have been delayed after they got they went gold, so nothing matters anymore. I'm sure that the games have been canceled after that release. Canceled date. after a published release date. I bet you if I Google that, I'll find at least ten examples. Oh, I mean, well, how, how where do you want to go with? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I got, one. I got one. NBA Live that happened to NBA Live. T pose, T pose NBA. Yeah. Um. Didn't it? Like they, they, they. I, I remember that because I swore I saw that game at a uh, an event. Well, it got canceled on like release week. Yeah, and then they were just said, "Nope, we're not releasing this." Like they just <laughs> flat out got rid of it. Yeah. So yes, the answer is yes. There we go. We solved it at least one. Sports franchises, yeah. <laughs> All right. Final thing I want to touch yeah, on. There's a lot of examples, by the way, Google, that some have been canceled because they were too violent at the last sec sec uh, second, you know, because of their content and stuff like that. Okay. Rights issues have canceled games after they get Travis released. another postal game. He yeah. loves them. Get him postal four. Get him nerf extra. Postal four is already a thing. That's, That's the, the one, one that broke him. <laughs> postal five then. Postal four, four, five. The Redux. Postal five times nerf legends. The legend continues. Postal five, but where you could only shoot enemies with nerf guns. I actually would would review either of those games because that sounds amazing. I like. I just here's the thing: like uh, playing a bad game to me is almost better than playing a mediocre game. Like playing a five out of ten is like soul sucking because you don't even have any roasting to do. You're not you know wrong. I mean? It's like it, reviewing a two out of ten is almost hysterical because you're like, dude, this is terrible. I cannot wait to tell you about this. But playing a game that's just you're okay, right. you're like. Well, I don't want to destroy it because it's not like super offensive to me, but like, eh, you know, it does some things right, does some things wrong. And then your review is also less fun because it's like, you know, you have to be measured. Yeah. Come it's on. middling. It's middling. Yeah. Where the game it's is middling. terrible. You can just get some laughs out of <laughs> you it. You just be like, dude, this is not good. Like, Jesus, yeah. you know? So I much prefer that. Playing a worse game, though, is that, yeah, like I would not play Postal 4 or Nerf, Nerf again. I'm surprised I got through either of those games once. That was really hard. So. <laughs> But I, I would I would absolutely take on that review for sure. That'd be hilarious. By the way, Elu says that uh, Thrill Kill, that was the game I was trying to think of from way back. Uh, Thrill Kill was a very violent game that was canceled, um, that was supposed to come out. Um, anyway, last thing I want to tell you guys. What is that, PlayStation? Oh, God. It was, um, I forget. I, I remember the name because it made a lot of news at the time, way back then, 25 years I feel, ago. I feel like Prey um, 2 got canceled. Um, it did, but I don't think it had it a. Didn't have a date because it had that. Yeah. It had that video <clears throat> about the Living City and things. I think it was f a finished game though. It was like because it got it got uh, uh, canceled because of a dispute between the publisher and the developer, right? Like there was like some rights thing. Maybe. You know? Yeah, I, I don't think it had a release date, but yeah, that one was like a like a basically a finished game. <laughs> um, so we got the trailer this week, guys, for The Last of Us, the TV show on HBO. Uh, trailers seem to do very well on social media uh, in terms of kind of like like ratio, views, et cetera, et cetera. I thought it was a really good trailer. I got to admit, coming into this, I was hesitant because, as I've said many times on the show, uh, Last of Us is a very special game to me. It means a lot to me. And as you guys have 
probably joke more than me, the game is almost like a movie anyway, right? Like mm -hmm. what makes Last of Us Last of Us is the cinematic moments in that game, not the gameplay yep. itself per se. So as we approach a TV show of The Last of Us, the question I want to pose to you guys is, as you watch this trailer and you think about this show, how do they approach this show? Like do they, if they go a one-for-one -one beat where the show kind of replicates the game, right and the experiences and that journey that ellie and joel take and the rest of the characters take is that successful or do they try to do something different where it's you know it's joel and ellie and it's in the last of us city and kind of time the post-apocalyptic thing but they tell a different story does that not gonna happen well i was gonna say we could talk about that as kind of a hypothetical but based on that trailer it they, looked went one, they went one for one. And all yeah. the people involved in it, the people involved in it aren't gonna aren't gonna call their own baby ugly. They're not gonna change the story. I, I think it's gonna be pretty. pretty no, good. they already did that in part two. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, that that's kind of what I was posing. You didn't let me finish the question. Is is? <laughs> never do. No, you never do. But that's okay. I love you guys anyway. But it is exactly that. What we see in the trailer is a retelling, right? I mean, there's even shots that line up with some of the cinematics of the game. So. Yes. Does that does that do anything for you? My my thought as I saw it is like, okay, this looks really well produced and it looks like great, you know, to me. But if it's just the same scenes from the game, how interested am I gonna be in them? I'm not sure it's for us. It's not. That's what I was gonna say. And that's fair too. And that's fair yeah. too. I, I think it's for to because you know the people these guys really love this game and they really are proud of their story and they they want to share it with more people. And I think more power to them. I think Pedro Pascal is a great actor. The dude's yep. wizard as hell. I'm sure he's going to be great in it. I I personally am probably not going to watch it just because like I've already seen the story and I looked at that and I was just like, cool, it's like a game but worse. Which is how <laughs> I feel about most TV and movies. So yeah. I agree that it didn't have the artistry that I usually associate with my thoughts of how those scenes look. Um, right? Like uh, there's certainly a, a willingness in video games to saturate a little bit more, to make things a little bit more uh cinematic some of that might just be hbo but hbo seems to have put a fair amount of money on it um but no i thought it lost again I, i'm the damn wet blanket the whole freaking episode um I, I thought it lost uh a fair amount of the magic i usually ascribe to the last of us uh in the shots that i saw now part of that is i i agree with travis i don't really have a concern about pedro pascal um as much as i have a concern about ellie agree um, and ellie's a harder role in my opinion joel's you know, freaking good, bad, the ugly. He's Joel he's gonna he's gonna Joel around. Um, <laughs> yeah, Joel, Joel. Joel's not a tricky role, in my opinion. Um, so Ellie is a is a much harder thing, and they don't they didn't they didn't let her emote in that trailer very much. So we'll see how it goes. I I don't think it's for us, um, yeah. and I don't. I think it's one for one beats, which is like. I, I mentioned it either in this space or another space. I, I'm sorry, I forget. Um, but one of the reasons that licensed video games used to suck is because they did one for one remakes of the movie beats, um, and that was never fun. So I don't, I don't think the reverse will be terribly enjoyable um, for for us. For but us. yeah, you know, House of the Dragon just announced that they got to like 29 million concurrent views, like HBO. Yeah, HBO can command attention when it wants to, and I think it's going to get the full media package for Last of Us. Great. I mean, we but what what have we seen up until this point that has you know stuck really to the one for one beat when you go from video games to movies? They've all been pretty much trash. Yeah, I don't think it's uh, ever been done. No. 
So That's this might bad. be the best, better route. I was say Tomb Raider was close with a low budget. Nah, <laughs> Tomb Raider. If you actually go break down Tomb Raider, it has the same concepts of like the Weather Lady, but it's not. It, it's not remotely a one-for-one one remake of well, that yeah. game. Well, you've had so, almost one-for-one one remakes of movies and uh, TV shows that come from books, so I think it is possible that retelling it and just putting it to a new story. It's just that games are so hard to translate because I view the mediums that they're trying to translate them as being inferior. You know, it's like trying to put all of the internet into a physical book. It's just not really meant to do that. It's evolved past it. I think you probably could do the opposite though. I think you'd, you, you know, you could, you could put a book into a movie, put a movie into a game. You would just have to evolve what that sort of means. But um, it's interesting. Again, I, I think Hogue got a nail on the head right away. It's not for us. <laughs> not yeah. for us. If you're if you're a gamer and you've played it, you're probably going to get very little from it unless you really, really like The Last of Us and you just all you want to do is just hear that story all day. So I suspect people deeply invested in The Last of Us, particularly part one, the good one, uh, will look at this as somewhat less than that that what that one was. Because if they're already deeply invested in it and it, it's, it, it was magical to them, I, I don't think it's going to be able to hit that beat the same way. No, it can't. It's interesting. The almost. That's Travis's point. Yeah, Travis is saying. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, it's 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 the same way as when you you get people commenting on, well, I watched The Last of Us Part Two. I watched somebody stream it, so I know I can grade the game, and you know, you you really can't because you you it's the there's so much more that goes into it than just the story. There's the you know, there's no more. There's no like real visceral experience when you're when you're in control, you know, in, in a video game, and then when you watch it on somebody's Twitch stream, it's a whole different story. So uh, it's and I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying, you know, it's just different. Uh, I'm I'm excited to watch it, but I I'm not expecting anything groundbreaking, you know, where it's going to be like this is the best thing ever. They did such a great because it's not I would say as hard to do. I'll give them this compliment. Yeah, I'll give them this compliment. At least the show is going to get rid of my least favorite part of The Last of Us. The shooting? Yeah, the gameplay. The, all the gameplay. Yeah, <laughs> the gameplay. Right. Like a T. Just set oh, it up. So, so right, it, it might be better in that case. Well, the good news, I, I was actually thinking about this because Last of Us plays longer. I was thinking about the translation of TV show because one of the things you do see in the trailer is that they also did the DLC. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, but they, they also did the DLC as part of that. So that'll be fit into a flashback story or whatever and um i hope they call i hope they treat it like a dlc as well like i hope the show comes out and then like a month finishes later, and then there's another one it, there's another episode <laughs> and it takes place yeah just like the game sandman did that a little bit um, <laughs> like, yeah, kind of there was a dlc episode of season was. one yeah, so so i i was thinking about the length and it was like actually if you cut out all of the moving around buildings and things it's like i think the game actually is almost exactly the length that hbo would have been looking for for what is just the story sequences and narrative beats and things like that so i don't know that they needed to translate much of anything um which is fine because you know they got the they got the writer of the hangover too writing it oh I, he prefers to go by the writer of chernobyl i'm sorry <laughs> oh man i didn't well, expect that one uh, hogan hey, I are just, well played sir oh, we do not got like him. these guys apparently got them <laughs> Um, I, did, right. I said something about the last. He, he, we had a Twitter interaction. He, 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 it was, it was funny. I can't remember it. It was a year ago. <laughs> I, uh, I, I do agree with you, Hoga, specifically about Ellie. I think that as someone who uh, loves The Last of Us as much as I do, Ellie's obviously the key role. And what I'm seeing, I mean, obviously it's a trailer. You can't see too much, but that, that's a tough task for that actress to to pull off uh, for me. She's and, young too. 
She's yeah. like really young. I was so it's Lady Mormont, right? So, I mean, like, she had a very specific, oh. very child actress oh, approach. Damn. Yeah, I, I did not so make the connection, like, but now it's, it's bursting through my head. Oh, damn. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so it's like you could tell, especially on a horse. It's like, oh, it's Lady Mormont. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That, that mean was the hot, the toughest casting. Uh, and I, I, I wish her well. Uh, I hope I hope she succeeds because I actually don't think like I don't think Ashley Johnson alone is Ellie. I think it goes with the animators and like what they do with her. It's one of the reasons I don't like the remake is I think they screwed it up a little bit with some of what emotions come through in some of those scenes. Um, but I, she she looks wrong in the trailer, but that doesn't mean it isn't anything that you can't get used to. She's not Ellie from the video game. Pedro Pascal does not look like Joel uh, from the video game, and that's OK. No. So. He looks closer to Joel than she does to Ellie. I'll he say does that. look close. Well, you, you know, big, you beard <laughs> a man, and it's like I, he, he looks close enough, right? It's yeah. it's it's fine. Beard. We'll see. Oh man, um, got a couple of super chats to, to hit I'm up. Utah, I'm Joel. Travis uh, is going to apply for Joel. Yeah, <laughs> I would have to go with ten dollars. <laughs> Ellie's dying real early. Oh. <laughs> a little short, <laughs> a little short for Joel. Wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Sorry, stupid. It's Sorry, just the opening right. scene twice. <laughs> oh, no. oh no! It's just twenty what years later. It's again. I, I did have a, I did have a question. Do we think the opening scene is the whole first episode? No. I I think they're going to go back and do it. I think that's actually probably a good a good thought. Nope. I think they'll do the whole first episode because the brother's important enough, and you set it up and you take it away, and then I think you do it twenty years later, right at the end of the first. Exactly. Episode. That's I think. Uh, I know because no, I think no, they no, know I, they screwed that up in House of the Dragon, by the way. Because so I think the I think the opposite is going to happen. I think okay. we're going to be really annoyed by it. I think they're going to jump, and it's going to be apocalyptic for at least the first episode or most of it. And they're going to do that thing where they jump back and show that yes, something terrible. That's happened. what I would say. They I, I think they're going to make it like so, like just uh, like I, just I, I, I like I like Hogue's idea better, but I could certainly see what you're saying. Them you know, I, I want to show I off their zombies. I mean, it is true, right? They don't have anything to show off. It's character yeah. stuff at the start. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll wake Joel up and he's like, Oh, and that's what he just, yeah, he was dreaming about because <laughs> so, yeah. they're gonna want to open with like action, you know, they're gonna right, want you to have a like... freaking exploding town. I mean, like, there's stuff that happens, but, but you have to you have to establish the characters and make you care about this person first that's about to, you know, go the way of the dodo. You, yeah, so you have to do all like, that. The Sarah death works really well if you're not expecting it. <laughs> Go on a golf outing. I, I agree. I Hogue, I'm with you. Your your idea is better. I just I've seen too many shows recently <laughs> that do this thing, and I just am expecting it. I don't know. Yeah, no, and I, I think it yeah, I think it breaks it down because at that point you're going in a specific direction with like the 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 uh, this is my brain isn't working. The, <laughs> the specific direction. We'll just stick with that. Um, and then you you break that up to go backwards. I think that always sucks for somebody that's invested in, in going in going forward. Could not agree with you more. I hate flashbacks. Probably my least favorite flashback is the one where they do a flash forward and they show you something crazy and then they go two days earlier and you're yeah, like, yeah. But just, you know what's just funny? Tell me the story normally. What is this memento? Get like stop it. What are you doing? So I love Battlestar Galactica. And one of the things, whenever they have that, I always think that the writers feel that their story is weak or that it doesn't start. Yeah, that's what it enough. is. 
They that, that they, they, they're worried that there isn't enough to get people to stay through like the first commercial break. And so you get like the, <laughs> you get like a ship crashing into a planet and you're like, what? And it's like 36 Dude, hours. Un Uncharted early. 4, I, the most pointless flash forward I've ever seen. Like, but that's because, that yeah, right. Yeah. But that's because Naughty Dog felt, you know, Naughty Dog is bad at breaking out of its constraints. So they said, well, all of our Uncharted's start with a flash forward, put them in a boat. Yeah, <laughs> he's in a like boat. Crazy happened. Like they just so you guys know, there's gonna be crazy stuff that happens in this Uncharted game. Okay, it's not all gonna be you hanging out on a couch and playing Crash Bandicoot. All right, let me just show you a little, break you off a little preview of the remix. So what's I gonna happen? And act. I two. will say in defense of Uncharted Four, Naughty Dog, that the game is so poorly paced and so boring for so long. I do <laughs> think I needed to put an action scene at the top. Damn. Okay. Woo. I, I, what if right, they just so, did like the Seinfeld thing? I also don't thing. really like that game. So, like yeah. that episode of Seinfeld where they just start at the end, they go backwards the whole go time, completely backwards, like just throw everybody completely off. But like, okay. really, everybody like walks backwards and they just play the audio. Where it's like, <laughs> <laughs> subtitles. Anyway, all right, Mariano Pampa with the ten dollars <laughs> super chat. Uh, we'll get there eventually. Enjoyed all the grounded talk earlier. Wanting a big cast grounded stream. All four of you playing the game. Would be great. LOL. <laughs> awesome show as always, gents. Everyone hit that like button. See, see, if you're watching Travis right now, this is why Ellie's gonna die very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I'm the soul of a warrior, guys. Let's uh, Hey, I'm I'm down to play. Uh, you know, I don't family. want I don't want Travis coming to me like you're doing it wrong. Here, you got to make this. No, I would never do that. I I'm such a loving Sherpa. I'm such a generous <laughs> lover, Hogue. You will feel. Like you are just in my arm and I'll protect you when the spiders come up. Be like, I got this, Hogue. You keep building. You do you. I'm here for you. Papa Northup yeah. is here. Yeah, he'll oh, be like, Northup. then he'll be like, Dan, stop it, you piece of shit. Yeah, what Dan, doing? what are you doing? That's idiotic. Just booted. Right. Booted from the party. <laughs> Hogue, Hogue, you go back to what you were doing. You're great. You do you. <laughs> the two different children. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Gosh, you were such a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I should have stopped cool. with Hogue. <laughs> oh, thank you, man. Appreciate and your super chat's been on the screen for like five minutes now, but thank you. And uh get good gamer rounding us out. Yeah, the comparing uh, this comparing apples to oranges, but the Pokemon anime has been quite successful. Uh I think in referring to Last of Us, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah think... well, I mean the Pokemon anime takes the notions of a long form season and then puts a bunch of stuff around it, right? I mean, like yep. nothing that happens in the anime happens like in the game. It just picks up the milestones of like, here are the six gym leaders and we'll hit him like in six episodes in the middle of 54. Uh, but the video game never has like a, here's where Pikachu learns to make a club sandwich. And the yeah. anime, you know, does that kind of thing. Pokemon is like a, a true adaptation. Like they took an idea and adapted it for a different medium. Like The Last of Us feels like a translation. It's like, yeah. yeah and you, you've seen criticism of that, right? I mean, if you go look, if you go back and look at reviews of like, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. One of the things that like Chris Columbus gets crap for is like we you took the chapters in order and you put them on film, um, and that doesn't have a lot of the use of the visual medium that you could otherwise have with movies. It's a very strict translation. One wonders exactly what you do with doing a one-to-one -one adaptation of what is a cinematic game, and that Travis points out is basically only useful for its cinematic gameness. Um, and then you take that and you put it on HBO. Are you gonna? Are you going to copy shots? Because there are copied shots in the trailer. Yeah. I mean, like, what? How far are you going to go when they pan up to the two buildings sitting next to each other? It's like, oh, you took you took straight up visual elements. 
from the game. So okay, of course they did. They love what they made, Hogue, and they're gonna. Oh yeah, Neil Druckmann. I'm not. I'm look. I've said enough about enough people. We'll we'll talk about Mr. Druckmann on a different episode. Okay. <laughs> Are you, has he blocked you? Just out of curiosity. Uh he has interacted with me. I have no oh, idea okay. whether I'm currently you're unblocked. Blocked. Impressive. <laughs> you're you're doing better than I thought you were. Oh, good, good. He's interacted with me. I well, I came on strong on on Last of Us Part Two. I did a video. It was pretty popular, uh, and he he did talk to me about that. No criticism allowed, my friend. Well. Mm. Last of Us 2 deserves a lot of it. And on that, we will go ahead and close out for the day. So I'm going to uh, say thank you to everyone who's been hanging out with us in the chat. chat. You've been awesome as always. Anyone checking us out later. Like I said, so many people uh, checking us out for the first time. Really uh, appreciate you. Hope you uh, stick around and uh, hope you enjoy the content we put out. On that note, uh, for patrons right now of Season Gaming, it is live. Um, the chat between me and Hogue directly. So I did an industry perspective chat with Hogue on Friday. And we chatted about all things, uh, including his gaming history, because he is a uh, seasoned one like like the rest of us around here, except for Travis a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and um, we talk about, uh, you know, virtual legality. We talk about the start of the YouTube channel, being compared to easy allies and a lot of other things. So... Uh, hope you check that out when it goes live. And then we also have an interview going live this week with uh, a band called Killstreak, which makes uh, they make metal songs about video games. Um, so one of our contributors uh, interviewed them and talked to them about that process and what that looks like. So look for that probably tomorrow or Tuesday as you're listening to this. So, Travis, I'll go to you. What you up to, man? I am reviewing Slime Rancher 2. That'll be up some point next week, I think. I'm pretty much done with all the content. Um I am. I've got a preview of a game that hasn't been announced that's going live next week. I've got a top eleven tips for playing grounded. If you are starting nice. grounded and want to know what to do, that was supposed to go live on Friday, but I think they forgot to hit publish, so it'll probably go live on Monday. <laughs> um, and I already finished it. It's just sitting in the CMS. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So that that will go live. Um, and then you know, I'm creating a bunch of content. I've got a review of a Ghostbuster game coming up. Who knows what I'm gonna do? Uh, are so, you reviewing that one? Man, yeah uh yeah i'm reviewing that on the 18th i think is when it's due um yeah so i've got all that uh you can find all my stuff on ign.com you can follow me on twitter tie guy travis and uh i love all of you guys and thanks for listening to me uh scream at you in the morning <laughs> all right hoke get through those allergies and tell us what you're up to I am. I, I really am sorry, people. It was uh, it's it, it's not great over here. And every time I turn the camera on, it goes poorly. So I do <laughs> apologize for that. Um, yes. Right now, we're planning on a Hangouts and Headlines tomorrow, probably talking about Facebook and its ever continuing downward cycle and uh, the market cap and uh, exactly what that'll mean for everybody. But I'm not positive. I'll have to be feeling a little better to do a two hour live show when I wake up. Uh, but we'll see on that. Otherwise, as we mentioned, we talked about Sony. We talked about Xbox this last week. We've got Lawyers and Dragons, which is coming up on its mid-season finale on Saturday. Big things, I am told, from our GM. So if you're at all interested in that, please do check it out next Saturday. Uh, and I think that's about it. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on YouTube. I can't even remember the name of the main platform where I do business. That's, <laughs> that's how much the allergies have gotten to me. I really appreciate everybody. Uh, and these fun conversations, especially Travis, for not going too hard on me uh, today, even though he wanted to. Yeah, yeah. took it easy on him. Yeah. Took it easy. Yeah. All right, guys. Killing blow, you fool. <laughs> you will regret this next week. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> as always thanks for hanging out with us on the sunday and thanks for listening after the fact as i said we appreciate you we are the big cast talking every week all things xbox playstation nintendo and pc with industry legal and technical insight until next week peace <laughs>